brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, ask about enhanced security for safer browsing and more. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store to switch today. Restrictions apply. It's a new season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. But the one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you gotta do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. 
I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. And that's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. You get up to $1,000 first deposit bonus. That's right, you double your first deposit. So just use the promo code RED to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RED. That's R-E-D. And when creating your account, make sure you claim the bonus. We'd like to thank MyBookie for sponsoring the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. That's MyBookie. Bet. Win. Get paid. Welcome, everybody, to Rad Turtle Wrestling Podcast. A hard-hitting, in-depth, cutting-edge look at today's product in the world of professional wrestling. Now, without further ado, here are your hosts, Rob Francois and Jeff Johnson! guys, welcome to the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. It is the flagship. It is Thursday. How are you guys doing? My name is Jeff Johnson from the Turtles. I am your host for the evening. My normal co-host, Mr. Rob, Rad Rob Francois, is still on vacation. So, uh, shout-outs to him. I am a little jealous that I'm not out uh, on vacation, too. But, you know, he, the man deserved a week off. And so, you know, I'm going to try to steer the ship this week, see how it goes. But uh, I have a great guest with me tonight. Uh, my co-host for the Epic for Real podcast, Mr. Blake Shake and Bake Sigler. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I was excited about it when you asked me about it because you know we we talk MMA all the time, and 
I don't really get to talk wrestling that much anymore, and I'm a huge wrestling fan, so mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this show all week, man. Yeah, me too, bro, because, you know, you and I, we talk a lot of wrestling uh, off the podcast. We watch a lot of shows together. We watch the pay-per-views. You know, we're, we're, we're watching All Out this weekend. So, you know, you and I have a pretty extensive wrestling background, uh, you know, as friends, and we've done a lot of late-night bookings over the weekends and, you know, a lot of fantasy bookings and stuff like that. So, you know, it's cool. It's cool to sit down, uh, sit down with my my normal MMA co-host and one of my best friends and talk about professional wrestling. So, yeah, man, I'm really excited to do that tonight. Yeah, me too. Like I said, I, I've been looking forward to it all week. And, you know, I mean, j- just for the listeners that don't know, I've been a wrestling fan for most of my life. Um, quite a few things that I've come up with uh, have been stolen by the WWE. Uh, <laughs> Jeff knows the main one that I'm talking mm-hmm. about, and that would be uh, back when Daniel Bryan and Kane were tag team champions, and I named them Team Hell No, and the next week they were Team Hell No. So yep. uh, I do have a little bit of knowledge in, in wrestling. I'm more knowledgeable in MMA. But I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a great time. Yeah, me too, man. I'm really stoked about this. And that that hell that team hell no thing is true. It's 100 percent true. I was sitting right next to you, and you just you just blurted out. Let's just call them team hell no. That'd be perfect. And then next week on Raw, they did the poll asking which what their team name should be, and one of them was team hell no, and that's the one that won. So I still stand to this day that your house is bugged by WWE, and they take all your ideas just like how they listen to to this show to take all our, our ideas and run with them. So. I'm sticking to it, man. I really think that's that's what happens. Well, I mean, WWE's got to do that when they got people who know what they're talking about. They got to get their ideas from somewhere. That's very true. That's very true. Well, speaking of WWE and uh, some of the stuff they got going on, I thought there was two pretty good shows this week. Uh, Raw and SmackDown have been, both been pretty good for the last, uh, I'd say, month or two, uh, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, but they've really stepped up their game, you know, with the move box coming up for SmackDown, with uh, AEW show coming up. Um, man, they've been putting out some pretty good shows, so uh, I guess without further ado, let's jump into this week's Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw is from New Orleans, Louisiana this week. Uh, of course, SmackDown was in Baton Rouge, so we got the uh, got the Louisiana loop. And, you know, one of the running jokes that Rob and I have on this show is we like to bury uh, Louisiana, but not really the entire state, more just Lafayette more than anything because of the horrible show they had uh, about a year ago. And uh, there was actually supposed to be a house show this week in Lafayette that got canceled because of ticket sales. So uh, we, we were we talked about that the last couple weeks, but you know New Orleans is always a pretty good crowd. I thought this week was no exception. Um, so uh, with that said, man, uh, let's get into Monday Night Raw. Uh, the show started out with the boss Sasha Banks coming out. Um, you know we uh, Rob and I had talked last week or the week before talking about Sasha how she you know I wanted her to cut this promo 
talking about everything that was rumored going on earlier this year about you know the 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 supposedly crying on the floor, the taking the ball and going home and not being happy with her spot and stuff like that. And I remember telling Rob, I said, you know, it would be perfect if they actually if she went to the ring and cut the promo talking about that because it would get massive heel heat because the people would be like, oh, she's she's such a bitch, you know, that she doesn't care. She doesn't care that she acted like that. It's gonna make people dislike her. But since she, man, since she's came back in this this different role in this heel role. It's been perfect for her, dude. And you know, I I love this promo she cut. Uh, I thought she uh, she really did. She did a lot of good, man, in, in building her character and in, in proving people that she's back and she's the boss. And uh, you know, she's uh, going to be facing Becky coming up at Clash of Champions. And you know, I I think that could be a really interesting match, deciding on where they where they go with it. Yeah, I, I do too. I like that she's back. I love Sasha Banks have since she came into the business. And I've got to 100% agree with her. Blue is definitely her color. Right, yeah, and, for uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I love that, you know, she she did have some issues with the company. It looks like she's past that now. And I love that they're, they're bringing her back and putting her right back into the spotlight in the main event. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't think she's going to beat Becky. Right. But I am very much looking forward to that match. I think it's going to be an incredible match. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, for for the time that Sasha was gone, I thought a lot about you know, the the division doesn't need her. You know, there there's big stars there now, and you know the 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 women's revolution and stuff like that has really been put up on a higher pedestal. But man, over the last month or so, it's really kind of shown that that like, there was a void missing in in the women's division. Like there was something there was something missing, and. I guess it turns out to be Sasha Banks because she's definitely put a big microscope on this division again and and made at least the raw women's title uh, very meaningful again. And really, you know, people have been kind of turning on Becky a little bit, thinking like she's been, she's cooled down a whole lot since WrestleMania and um, you know, that she, she kind of needed a a new direction, needed somebody to kind of put her back in that high, that high echelon in the babyface role. And Sasha Banks is the perfect person to do that in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. Because they tried it with Natty and making her the heel, and you know when they were in Canada for the show, and it just didn't really work for me. And then it's like all of a sudden the next week, you know, all of a sudden Natty's a face again, and mm-hmm. Sasha's coming out and attacking her. So they they tried it with Natty, it didn't work. Sasha's come in and killed it, and I mean it, it's it's been incredible. It definitely, like you said, you know Becky's kind of been slowly going down, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, ignited my interest back in Becky Lynch and in Sasha Banks. So uh, I think this was the perfect person for them to bring back and the perfect role to put her in to to get the spotlight back on the Raw Women's Championship. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, let me ask you, do you think this kind of puts a bad light on the WWE because of the way Sasha acted in the first place and that she did kind of take her ball and go home and, and acted like a child for the most part? but then gets brought back, put in the main event and potentially could be the women's champion three weeks after that. She's been got after she had been gone for four months. No, not in my opinion. The The way I look at it is, is I think it shines a good light on the WWE and the fact that, you know, they, they understood she had issues with where her character was going, what storyline she was in. And even though she did take her ball and go home, they were understanding enough to understand, okay, we understand why you were unhappy. Let's work together to bring you back in because you are a star in mm-hmm. this company. 
And that, to me, tells me that they're willing to work with their superstars to make them happy. I don't think it shines a negative light at all, in my opinion. That's that's an interesting, interesting way to put it. I never really thought of it that way. And uh, it's, it, it's a very, very good point. And obviously, you know, with, with AEW on the horizon and people asking for releases and, and wanting certain things, the WWE, you know, they're not going to do that, especially with somebody like Sasha, who who is a big name. And would obviously, in my opinion, be the face of that women's division if she was granted her release and and sent to AEW. You know, they they could have Sasha sit there on the sidelines for the next two, two and a half years and, you know, not work and just sit there and, and pay her. But, you know, obviously they want to use her. And, you know, Sasha, she said in an interview that she does love wrestling and she wants she loves being in certain roles and everything, which obviously we, we <laughs> we've kind of learned. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it does come to the fact that the women's division needed her because, you know, we saw with Becky and, and Lacey Evans that that really didn't take off. That didn't go anywhere. And, you know, they kind of and I think a lot of that what is the reason that that Becky has kind of fallen from grace uh, with the fans. So, yeah, bringing in a Sasha Banks was absolutely perfect. And, you know, in my opinion, there's no better opponent for her right now. Exactly. And, you know, to your point, like you talked about. You know, the thing with, with uh, you know, uh, like with Natty didn't work, of course. Rhonda is is gone. She's got her own thing. She may come back. She may not. Lacey Evans didn't work. This is perfect because we already know Sasha Banks. We know what she can do. We've seen her in action for years. We know she's great in the ring. She's good on the mic bring her back as a heel and it's perfect you've got the perfect rival to come back for becky lynch and the way they set it up with her coming out attacking natty becky coming down to uh to defend her friend and then sasha just beating the holy crap out of her with a chair Mm -hmm. i mean it was perfect this is exactly what the women's division needed yep i totally agree 100 percent all right, so after that, uh, we go back to the ring, and we have the entrance of Ricochet, and we get ready for a King of the Ring first-round match between Drew McIntyre and Ricochet. I thought this match was awesome, dude. Um, you know, obviously, that's you know that's not a surprise. Both these guys are great workers. Uh, um, McIntyre's been working with smaller guys lately, uh, which isn't, I guess, saying a whole lot, considering he's a massive dude. But, you know, he's been working kind of with the Cruiserweights because, you know, he worked with Cedric for a while. They had a little program, and then now with this match with Ricochet, uh, these guys got great chemistry, man. And uh, the the spot that really stuck out for me in this match is when they were on the outside and Ricochet jumped off the stairs and McIntyre caught him with a headbutt, like in midair and just Ricochet crumbled to the ground. And I remember like, like I actually got out of my seat watching that just thinking, oh shit, like that was crazy. <laughs> it was an insane spot. But, um, you know, they, they they gave Ricochet the clean win here. He hit the, uh, he hit the recoil. Went up top, hit the 630 splash, got the victory, and man, big, big win for Ricochet here. Uh, what did you think about the match? I, I loved it. This was the match that I was most interested in uh, in the King of the Ring tournament because, you know, obviously Ricochet's an up-and-coming star. Everybody loves Ricochet. But Drew McIntyre is just this, this incredible force that you did not think would lose. Yeah, we saw him lose to Cedric Alexander, but, oh, that's a fluke, you know? Mm-hmm. I was going back and forth on who I thought was going to win the match. I wanted Ricochet to win, but I thought it would be McIntyre. So it was really nice to see uh, Ricochet get the clean win. And, you know, like you said, the the Glasgow kiss spot on the outside was incredible. I thought he killed him. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, me too. <laughs> but 
you know, I think this is great to see because we know how good McIntyre is in the ring and just to see how well he works with these smaller guys. Because to be honest, I mean, if you go back in the 80s, it was all big muscle bound guys. It's not that way anymore. You've got a bunch of these cruiserweights coming up and being top stars. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he is one of those big guys that you would have seen back in the 80s. And it's good to see how well he works with the smaller guys, how well he sells for them. You know how well he puts him over. I mean, Drew Drew McIntyre's an incredible worker, and that match was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I I totally agree, and I think it's only a matter of time before McIntyre really gets put on that pedestal we've been waiting for. I think right now he's doing a great job of kind of putting over smaller talent and making them look believable. Um, you know, and you talk about the rise of the cruiserweights right now. Um, you know, we'll we'll break down the other first round matches uh, here in a few minutes, but. You know, we have our final eight now, and half of them are cruiserweights. Like, that's weird. You know, you wouldn't have seen that in a, a King of the Ring back in the, the late 90s, even the early 2000s. You wouldn't see that. So, you know, the WWE is really doing a good job of highlighting athleticism in this King of the Ring tournament. And I, I really like where they're going. And every match has been really good for the most part. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of talk about the Owens and Elias match last week, how it was kind of fluky with, with you know, Shane getting involved. But overall, man, the King of the Ring has been really good. And, you know, this I'm with you. This match in particular is one that really stood out. I thought this was going to be a finals match or at least a semifinals match. Uh, but the fact they did in the first round, man, when I saw the bracket, I was like, wow, I can't believe they're actually doing this. Uh, but it, it definitely lived up to expectations, man. Both these guys put on a great show, and it was a very, very fun match to watch. Yes, it was. All right. So uh, with that being said, that means next week we get Ricochet and Samoa Joe, which is going to be an incredible match as well. Uh, Samoa Joe, you know, he can fly a little more than, than McIntyre. Uh, you know, we've seen him for a, for a long time. He and Ricochet are going to have an incredible match together. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too, um, especially with the fact that, you know, Ricochet beat Joe for the U.S. title. So which mm -hmm. way do they go in this? Do they do they push Ricochet again, or do yeah. they have Joe get his revenge and take out Ricochet out of the tournament? Yeah, I, I think it's a tough match to call because I could see it going either way. You know, they've kind of put Joe in a good position because he was kind of part of the whole Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan storyline for a while, which was which has been pretty much the top story on SmackDown. And... Um, you know, Joe won his first match and has looked really good. So it's a good match, man. I, I could see either guy winning it. I would not be surprised whichever direction they went. All right. So after that, we got an interview backstage with Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. Um, you know, they were kind of going back and forth talking about their, you know, the, being the tag team champions and everything. Um, and Rollins caught Strowman looking at his title again. And he kind of like kind of moved in front of Strowman. Strowman was like in a trance looking at it. And Rollins asked him straight up. He's like, he, you know, he's like, is this what you want? And Strowman challenged him for a match. Um, and Strowman pretty much said he wants to make sure they're on the same page. So he's challenging Rollins for the universal title. Rollins said he doesn't back down from a fight and they shook hands. So man, I, I guess we're getting it. We're getting Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins at a, uh, at clash of champions. So both guys pulling double duty. Because they're going to be because we will we will find out later on who they're facing for the tag team titles. So yeah, yeah, both these guys, man, they're going to be partners and opponents in the same night. Yeah, I absolutely love this. It, you know, like they were talking about on Raw, it's never been done before. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that you know all of a sudden, okay, we're going to see them in tag team action, having each other's back, and then a little bit later, they're going to be trying to destroy each other for the title. It great booking, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, it would have been, uh, you know, which we'll talk about the U.S. title match later. But man, that, that what they could have done. I mean, I, I it could have been incredible with Braun Strowman potentially, you know, having three matches that, that night. So mm-hmm. I love this booking. I absolutely love it. Yeah, this is really cool, and it reminds me of back in the day when Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels won the tag team titles together. But and then they faced each other at at the pay per view right after that. But the difference was they didn't defend the tag team titles that night. Also, you know, it was just them two in a singles match as the tag team champions. So uh, you know, I'm I, I haven't really thought about how they might go with this match or with both matches. Um, but it, it is interesting, and it, it makes you kind of wonder what they're going to do because this is something different than we've really ever seen. It's very unique. Um, you know, I, I don't want them to turn Strowman heel. That's, that's the one fear I have in this because God, we've seen him change face to heel so many times. I'm kind of over the whole Strowman heel thing and the crowd loves the guy, like the, the whole, get these hands, everything like they, the crowd loves him, man. So I think turning him heel would, would, would be a big mistake, but you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. I, I'm really looking forward to the match. I think these guys are going to have a pretty decent match. And, you know, I, I said that with Rollins beating Brock twice, one of the things that it did is it showed that Rollins can go against the big, strong guys and he can hold his own. So, you know, that's really good booking, in my opinion, you know, to immediately go against Strowman because Strowman's very similar to Lesnar. So, uh, you know, Rollins is going to be very believable in that match. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, talking about Braun going back and forth between face and heel. I think they keep him face, and it's just, you know, we're tag team partners, but we both respect each other. Braun, you deserve a shot at the title. I'm the champion. I'm going to be a fighting champion. And they leave it at that as just respectful. And either way it goes, you know, at the end of the match, whoever wins, they're going to shake each other's hands because they're still tag team partners. They still respect each other, and they've still got, you know, these potentially still have the tag team titles to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think – Leaving him face would be completely okay, especially with them being the tag team champions together. The only other way I could see it is maybe they start off the show with uh, them defending the tag team titles. Braun turns on him in the middle of the match. They drop the tag team titles, and then it's you know Hill Braun versus Face Rollins in the main event for the title. Hopefully they don't do that, but you know you, you never know with WWE. Honestly, that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Is I, I feel like you know Braun is going to turn. I mean, even if they decide to do the match in the co-main, uh, the tag team match, have Braun attack Rollins, excuse me, um, cost him the tag team titles, then Braun will be like, oh, oh, well, well, you know, since we're already out here, let's do the Universal title match. And then you have a sympathetic Seth against against Braun as well because of the beatdown that he got. That's kind of the direction I think they're going. Uh, they might completely swerve us and, and not do that. But, you know, there's still three weeks to build up to this. So there's still plenty of time and... You know, we'll see what happens leading up leading up to this title match. So after that, we got the uh, the second King of the Ring match of the night between Baron Corbin and The Miz. Um, you know, I thought this was a pretty good match. Um, Corbin's really, man, I've been very high on him. I've been high on him for a while now. A lot of people are not high on him. They think he gets that, what they call X-Pac heat, where he's out there and he's booed just because people don't want to see him. I do think that was kind of how it was for a while. But now I think it's a little different. I think he is getting legit heel heat now because his promos are good. I think he's getting a lot better in the ring. Um, and I like that they're changing his look a little bit. Uh, they, they've had him take off the the TGI Fridays jacket, you know, the waiter jacket he's been wearing. Um, so he's been wrestling in like, like a black wife beater the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I really like what they're doing with Corbin. 
And, uh, you know, I, I I did pick Corbin to win this match. Uh, the Miz, they really just not doing much with him. He's He's been kind of on a losing streak. Maybe not to the extent of like a Sami Zayn, but he has been on a losing streak lately, um, which is weird considering he challenged Nakamura for the IC title later on, which we'll get to. But, um, you know, I thought this was a pretty good match. These these guys work pretty well together. Um, and, you know, I've definitely seen worse Baron Corbin matches than this one, but uh, Corbin got the win, hit a sweet end of days to, to end it. Um, and then, you know, he cut the promo afterwards, sitting on the throne, and, you know, got some good heat. So um, I thought this was a really good segment altogether. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, I'm, I haven't been nearly as down on Corbin as some people. He's annoying, yes. I don't really care for him, but he's a good worker. He's gotten better on the mic, and he's got one of the best finishers in the business right now. Yeah. So I, I love this match. It actually you know, got me jumping out of my seat a little bit because when Miz hit the skull-crushing finale, I thought it was over. That was a and great then, false finish, yeah. It, it was. And then Corbin kicked out, and I'm like, oh, crap. Really? Like, yeah. you don't see many people kick out of that finishing move. Right. And then all of a sudden, Miz is running, and he catches him in uh, the end of days. And I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. And then the promo afterwards was great. Him sitting there on the throne talking about how, you know, nobody wants to see him here, but it doesn't matter to him because he doesn't care about anybody anyways. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's great. Corbin is not the best worker I've ever seen, but he's right. constantly getting better and he's constantly getting better on the mic. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point you were talking about the Xbox heat. I don't think it's that either. It's just he's so good at being annoying, people can't stand him. And yeah. he's perfect at it. Yeah, he really is. He, he's came a long way, man. And because, you know, there was a period, and I was even with it too, where I really didn't care to see him. Like I was like, okay, Baron Corbin, whatever, you know. But, I, you know, a lot of people have said that the, the Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin feud from a couple months ago kind of hurt Rollins a little bit. As much as, you know, you say it did, I thought it helped Corbin. Like, I thought Corbin really stepped up and, and had a pretty decent role in that. Um, just at the, you know, people just, they don't like Baron Corbin for whatever reason. Uh, and maybe part of it is because he's such a good heel. That's how that's how I see it. Uh, but I really like the work that he's doing right now. I mean, I like that they're changing him up. Uh, he, he looks more in shape. Like, he's he looks a lot more solid. Like, he's been working out more. Um, and he's he's doing some good stuff right now, man. I think... I think uh, he's gonna be back in that that upper that upper mid card, maybe even main event scene, maybe even by the end of the year. And I think I think he deserves it because he's put a lot of work in, into his craft to get to where he's at. Yeah, and I mean he's doing his job very well, or he wouldn't be nearly as hated as he is. Right, exactly. So with Corbin winning, we get Corbin and Cedric Alexander next week. That's gonna be a great match. Um, you know, Alexander's been working with uh, with McIntyre. Corbin and McIntyre kind of have a similar build. They're both both big guys. Um, Corbin, you know, not definitely not the worker that McIntyre is, but Alexander can work with anybody and make it look good. So um, I'm expecting a pretty good match out of these guys. Uh, you know, so Alexander Corbin and then Samoa Joe Ricochet. That's two pretty good matches next week. Um, I'm going to say that I think Corbin's going to win against Alexander, and I think Ricochet's going to win against Joe. So it's going to set up uh, Corbin and Al- and Ricochet in the semis. Uh, what about you? How you, how you see it going next week? Yeah, I, I kind of see it that way too. I think I think Corbin they're going to push past Alexander, and I don't think they're going to want to do heel versus heel with Joe versus Corbin. Mm-hmm. So you know, with with Ricochet already getting a big win over McIntyre, I mean that's huge momentum for him for them to throw him to Joe and then just squash that momentum. I don't see him doing it. 
So I agree with you. I see Ricochet versus Corbin, uh, you know, in the semis next after next week. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the way I'm leaning to. It wouldn't surprise me if they did Ricochet Alexander just because of how exciting a match that would be. Because that would be you could potentially talk about you know raw match of the year if you have these two guys and you give them give them the time that most of the King of the Ring matches have had. You know those guys have got to do something special, but. You know, I think they will go the, the heel face route and we'll get Ricochet and Corbin next week. Either way, um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the, the King of the Ring on the Raw side. All right, so uh, we go to the backstage and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are being uh, being interviewed. Uh, you know, they were complaining about Strowman and Rollins getting the tag team title or uh, earning the tag team titles and that they'll, you know, they're not getting a rematch. They have to go through this um, this tag team turmoil match to to get their title shot, you know, they kind of, you know, they make some good points about it, but you know, that they made it known that no immediate title, no immediate rematches for anything. And that includes the tag team titles. So, uh, you know, they, they were upset about it, but they, um, you know, they were confident and they're like, you know, we're going to go in there and do what we have to do. We're going to get the titles back. So, uh, you know, the OCs begin a lot of, a lot of TV time lately. I know me personally, I'm actually surprised they lost it last week, uh, because the OC has been, so prominent and they have been so dominant for like the last month or so. Um, but you know, I, I like seeing Anderson and Gallows being put in the position there are. I mean, the good brothers are awesome, whether they're, they're heels, baby faces, whatever. I think, I think they're absolutely great. So, um, you know, not, not, not a whole lot to take from this promo, just the guys kind of, kind of hyping up, getting ready for the match. Uh, but you know, like I said, anytime the good brothers are on TV, it's a plus for me. Yeah, me too. I, I love them. They're one of my favorite tag teams in the division and, I'm glad that they've been being pushed because for a while, you know, they got pushed and then they kind of disappeared for a while. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they put them back with, with AJ and they're the OC now and they're getting pushed again. I love it because they're great in the ring. You've got the perfect dynamic with, with, you know, Gallows being the big bruiser and then Anderson being kind of the smaller, not really high flyer, but you know, more, the more, te- the more technical kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a perfect combination between those two, and they, you know, they deliver every time they're in a match. So mm-hmm. I, I love them. Yeah, me too, bro. Uh, so after this, we got uh, Nikki Cross making her entrance. Uh, before that, though, I, I want to, you know, we normally don't talk about video packages that we saw, but this happened last week, and I'd like to get your opinion on it. Uh, we saw what happened between Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic when Rey was talking about his family and how he was, you know, he was about to retire. He was about to take the mask off. And then Dominic came in the screen and stopped him and told him, don't do it. You know, you promised me that my first match would be tagging with you and I can't let you do this yet. You still have so much to give. You know, I thought it was an awesome promo. And, you know, I, I was expecting maybe Andrade or Zelina to show up to stop him. I was not expecting Dominic. Um, and, you know, I'm starting to wonder, okay, does Dominic sign a deal? Is he... Is he ready to go? Because, you know, I know he trained under Lance Storm up in Canada. So he's he's got wrestling experience. He's got a couple years of wrestling experience. So, you know, I, I'm pretty sure if, his, if he's Rey Mysterio's offspring, he can probably go in the ring. Just, you know, kind of kind of assuming here. But uh, what would you think about the segment? And where do you think they might go with Mysterio and Dominic? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I love the fact that it was Dominic that stopped him. And, you know, they had – and to be completely honest, I know – you know, it was staged, mm-hmm. but being a father myself, just seeing that father-son moment was incredible. Yeah. And, you know, you could tell that the emotion there was not 
all fake. I mean, it it was real emotion. And the fact that, you know, he, he promised him that they're going to have a tag match together, I think that's something that Ray really wants to do. Mm-hmm. And if they're bringing that up, I think it's coming sooner rather than later. Right. Um, against who is going to be the question. Mm-hmm. I could see possibly Andrade, but who do you put with Andrade to do it? Right. You know, I, the only I, person I could think is possibly Samoa Joe, just because of the history that Ray and Joe had before Ray got hurt. Um, and it's looking like that Joe and Roman are kind of going away from each other. Of course, Joe's Joe's in the king of the ring, so he's kind of busy with that. But so is Andrade, I guess. But uh, you know, Ray's supposed to be showing up on SmackDown next week, um, or on Raw, maybe one of the two. Maybe it's Raw next week. Uh, he's supposed to be showing up to kind of just to talk to everybody and kind of tell them what's going on. So, well, so we'll probably get some answers next week. Uh, but I this is an interesting storyline because we've been waiting to see what they're going to do with Dominic because he showed up. He showed up during the Rey Mysterio and Samoa Joe feud, but we really didn't do a whole lot. They used him kind of sparingly, but with with Dominic saying bringing up matches now and bringing up in ring stuff, it, it kind of opens my eyes and gets me a little excited. I'm like, okay, are we going to see the next generation Mysterio? It, like, is he ready? Is because that's that's a pretty exciting thing, man. Because Rey Mysterio is a legend. He's a legend any everywhere in the world. So, uh, you know, seeing his son Dominic on WWE TV, it's a big deal, man. So. I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with this. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Me too. I I kind of wish, what, what I'm hoping for, at least what I would like to see, is, you know, we talked about the possibility of Braun turning on Rollins, them, you know, dropping the titles at Clash of Champions, and then, you know, it being just a one-on-one match for the title. Mm-hmm. What if, after they drop those titles, all of a sudden, Ray and Dominic are the first challengers for the tag team titles? And they win those, and that's kind of, like, a really special father-son moment. First tag team match together, they win the mm-hmm. tag team titles. You yeah. don't have to keep them very long, but you know, give them give them a month run and lose it at the next pay per view or whatever. Yeah. But just to say that my son and I, and our first tag team match together, won the Raw tag team titles. Mm-hmm. That would be huge, and it would be a big feel good moment. People would love it, and it would definitely boost Dominic in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I didn't really think about that. And we'll circle back to this here in a minute once we talk about the tag team turmoil match and, and who won it uh, because uh, I, I like your theory a lot because the, the two guys that did win that match, they're both awesome workers. So, you know, if you want to put somebody in the ring that, you know, you can trust with Dominic because he is still green, the two guys won that tag team turmoil match, they're, they're not bad choices. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. I really I really like that idea. All right, so after we saw that, we had the entrance of Nikki Cross. She's going one-on-one with SmackDown. Um, actually, I guess Bailey came out first. 
then Nikki Cross came out. But uh, we had a one-on-one match between SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey and Nikki Cross. Uh, I thought the match was okay. Um, you know, we've seen these two work together quite a bit. Uh, Nikki got quite a bit of offense, and it was, you know, I was surprised how much offense she got in. She really started working over Bailey's ribs a lot. I don't know if that's something that they're going to keep going with. I guess Bailey really didn't sell her ribs a whole lot on SmackDown, but that's definitely where, where Nikki was was kind of targeting during during this match. Um, but you know, I thought the match was okay. Uh, the, the finish was, eh, it, it was, it was okay. It didn't seem like it flowed perfectly. There was something that was kind of missed there. Um, cause she hit the bell, she hit the belly to belly and I don't, I don't think she liked how it went. I don't know if, if Nikki didn't, didn't really, you know, give her a whole lot to work with there. Then she went up to the top and hit the elbow drop to finish it. Um, you know, the match, what it was, it was, it was what it was, you know, it was four minutes. It was to kind of showcase Bailey, get her ready for her match with, um, with Charlotte Flair. Um, and obviously Becky winning here or Bailey uh, win- winning here is the right choice considering she is the one that has the single title match coming up soon. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. It was an okay match. It wasn't the best match I've ever seen, but um, you know, like you said, it was good to see Nikki get a lot more offense because we have been seeing her a lot lately, but she hasn't showed a lot. You know, we, we saw a lot of her and what she can do in NXT, but we haven't really seen a lot of what she can do since she's been here. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. she's, you know, women's tag team champions with Alexa, but it was basically Alexa. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It was it was Nikki running interference to keep, you know, the other tag team partner out of it. Mm-hmm. So it was good for them to kind of showcase her. Maybe they're going to let her start opening up and doing a little more in the ring. And, you know, if that's the case, then, then that's great. But like you said, wasn't the greatest match I've ever seen, but I wasn't bored by it either. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're talking about Nikki and how she's with Alexa and everything. I'm surprised, me personally, that they've been going this long with this friendship. I thought it was going to be one of those one-month type things, and then, you know, Nikki realizes that, that Alexa's a bitch, and she's using her and everything, and then she turns, and Nikki gets this big baby face run. That's not where they're going. I mean, they, they put the Women's Tag Team Championship on them, and it looks like they're in it for the long haul. And I'm not against that at all. I mean, I like Nikki and Alexa a lot. I think they have really good chemistry together. It's one of those opposites attract kind of thing where, you know, they're both two completely different characters, but they feed off each other really well. And I think they have really good chemistry. Um, But yeah, I agree with you with Nikki that, you know, she's a good worker and she is starting to get a little more time in the ring, which is good. Um, So, you know, just, just repetition and just have her keep, Ever keep having matches, you know, facing the women's champion is always going to help no matter if you lose the match, you know, being in there with Bailey is always going to help. So, uh, you know, when it comes to that, I thought the match, I thought the match was okay. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. It's definitely better in my opinion than Bailey's match on SmackDown, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, after this, we saw an interview with Braun Strowman in the back. Um, I didn't even think about this until Braun brought it up. He said he wants to be the, he wants to be the winner take all champion at clash of champions because he wants, he wants to beat AJ for the U.S. title to not, or on Raw, you know, hold the tag team titles and then beat Seth Rollins for the Universal title and hold all three belts. I didn't even think about that being a possibility <laughs> before the match with AJ. And once he said that, I'm like, wow, that would be kind of cool. I've never, you know, we've seen dual champions. I don't know if we've ever seen a triple champion before. Uh, obviously, Braun's got enough mass to hold all three belts, so that wouldn't be an issue. But, uh, you know, I just thought it, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool to Braun talk, for Braun to talk about that and to kind of put the, the thought in everybody's mind that, okay, maybe they could go this direction with him and AJ. Yeah, I liked it too because I'm like, man, that Braun's going to be busy that night. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. 
But so, yeah. um, after, or, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, but yeah, him talking about that, I was like you. I didn't think about it either. And then when he said it, I'm like, oh, crap. Tag team title match. Defend his U.S. title. Go for the universal title. Man, that's going to be a lot of gold on that, man. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. All right. So after this, we got the uh, the tag team turmoil match. Uh, it was eight teams. Um, I'm trying to remember what all eight teams were. I guess we'll just we'll just go through it uh, uh, bit by bit here. Uh, the start of the match was the Viking Raiders and the B team. I was really surprised the Viking Raiders started this match because I thought they were a favorite. Uh, when I when I saw the 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 graphic of all the teams, I'm like, man, the Viking Raiders are really standing out. They haven't lost a singles match that I could think of on the main roster yet. Uh, this would be a good way for them to take out four or five teams, be dominant. And, you know, the Viking Raiders against Rollins and, and Strowman, geez, like that's that's big. You know, no pun intended because <laughs> there's some yeah. big guys in that match. But when I saw they were starting this match, I was like, man, do you have them go coast to coast against seven other teams? Like, ooh, that's, that's a tall task, man, you know, even for the Viking Raiders. And, you know, they're bigger guys. Can they go for 45 minutes like this? But, um, you know, they started with the B team, quick match. Um, they, they hit the Viking experience on, on Bo Dallas and pinned him. You know, no, not a shock. Yeah, we we kind of knew where that was going to go when that match started. Um, after that, uh, the, the Good Brothers came out. This is when I went, okay, something's about to happen. Because this is the other team I thought was the favorite. And then I, I guess I probably put the Revival third. I was like, okay, Viking Raiders and Gallows Anderson right now? There's got to be something going on here. Because you're not going to want either one of these teams to lose right now. And, uh, you know, they, they, it was physical for the time they got, and they just beat the hell out of each other. So that got me excited about seeing a future program with these, with these two teams. Um, but you know, they, they, they played it off where the referee lost control. Nobody would listen to him. So he called a double DQ. Um, I, you know, a lot of people were hating on this online. They thought it was stupid. They thought it was the wrong way to go, that it made both teams look bad. I was actually on the other side of the fence on this. I thought this was the perfect way to do this. The only other thing I might have done is have them brawl like into the crowd and do like a double count out that way where they just don't care. They're just beating the hell out of each other. But I thought this was the next best way to do it because you're, you're kind of protecting both guys or both teams. You know, um, it's a draw. So I guess you could say the Viking Raiders are still undefeated at this point. Um, and, you know, you, you protect the OC. So I, I thought I thought this was done pretty well. Uh, what do you think of the, the first two matches of this? Um like you said, the the Viking Raiders destroying the B team kind of saw that coming. Mm-hmm. It, it sucks for the B team because they were tag team champions at one point in time, and then they've yeah. just kind of gone downhill. But I completely saw that coming, and I was like you when the OC came out after that. I I, I knew something had to happen, mm-hmm. and I agree with you. I'm I'm on your side with this. I think it was a great way because neither team got beat for you know. The, the former tag team champions that just lost the titles and arguably the most dominant tag team in the division right now on Raw. And they just, like you said, beat the hell out of each other where they both got DQ'd. So right. it makes them both look strong. Nobody lost. Nobody was really hurt. You know, nobody had the advantage. It was just them throwing back and forth and the ref couldn't get, you know, just two guys in the ring. So, you know, it was a good way to get both teams out of the match that you weren't planning on having go into Clash of Champions for mm-hmm. the titles and mm-hmm. still make them both look strong. So anybody that said it made them look bad, I disagree with. I think it made, you know, perfect sense. And maybe you put, you know, these two teams 
uh, you know, in a storyline together after this to determine who gets the next shot at the tag team championships after Clash of Champions. Yep. I thought it was perfectly done. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think this is this is great. And like you said, it kind of leaves it off because we got a small taste of what these two teams can do in there. And then it ended. And then now it leaves you wanting more. Like, okay, I want to see a program with these these two teams now. I want to see them beat the hell of each other for three months. You know, I, I'm i really looking forward to, to that. Well, since we got the double DQ, you know, that eliminates both teams. And so we got two new teams that came out. We got the makeshift tag team of Robert Root and Dolph Ziggler against the Lucha House Party. Um, you know, I when I first saw Robert Root and Dolph Ziggler together, I'm like, what? Like, what? What do these two guys have in the comp? Oh, oh, they're both cocky heels. Oh, they're both think very highly of themselves. Okay, okay, it makes sense. I'm like, all right, I, I, I see, I see the team. All right, like, well, how are they going to work in the ring together? I. I thought they were really impressive, dude. I thought they worked really well together. Um, I thought Lucha House Party looked pretty good in this match. You know, they hit some some of the, some of their signature moves. They flew around well. Uh, but you know, kind of like the first match, I didn't think it was any surprise that Rude Ziggler won won this one. Uh, Ziggler hit a super kick to the back of Grand Metal League's head and it pinned him. Uh, you know, pretty easy win for for Rude and Ziggler. Uh, but you know, for a first showing for a makeshift tag team for their first quote unquote match, I guess I thought they looked pretty good. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought so too. And you know, like like with exactly what you said, just going off name value alone. Even though Ziggler and Rude were a makeshift tag team, you just knew they were going to win because you know they're they're the better workers. They're the ones who gets pushed more. Yeah. But I was kind of confused about it too when they came out together because I'm like, wasn't Ziggler just feuding with the Miz and Shawn Michaels and then got speared to death by Goldberg yeah. like? how did he all of a sudden just wind up in a tag team with Rude? Right. But they worked really well together, and I was really impressed at the chemistry they have. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, well, later on in the segment, you know, they were they were interviewed, and, you know, they, they look like a tag team that's been together for a while. They've got mm-hmm. that chemistry. So, I mean, the, the showing against, you know, the Lucha House Party was, you know, no, no thought. I, you know, on that, I knew they were going to lose that, but right. I was impressed with how well they worked together. Yeah, I was too. And uh, after they got that win, uh, the revival came out, and this is when I went, "All right, now we're starting. Now we're trying to ramp this up a little bit. Now you got four great workers in there at the same time. Not saying Lucha House Party aren't good workers, but the revival when it comes to tag teams, there's not a whole lot of teams better in this world than them. So I'm like, okay, let's see what this makeshift tag team can do against one of the top tag teams in the world. Let's see how good they really are." I thought these guys had a great match, man. Uh, I uh, it was very back and forth. It was kind of weird because it looked like Rude and Ziggler were kind of working as the baby faces in this match, and I wasn't expecting that, but they kind of did because I thought the revival would would work as the baby faces, considering the crowd, even though they're heels, the crowd likes the revival a lot. So I thought they would kind of have the baby face role, but it wasn't. It was kind of the other way around. Um, I did. I love the the ending sequence of this. Um, uh, Ziggler and a suplex, tagged in Rude. Ziggler hit a Famouser on Wilder. Dawson uh, tossed Ziggler out. Uh, Dawson hit a Brain Buster on Ziggler. Rude ran in hit the glorious DDT on Dawson for the pinfall. I thought it was a very, very good way to end the match. Um, and I was surprised. I, you know, this team of, of Rude and Ziggler beating a legit former tag team champion team in the Revival. And, uh, I man, it was, I it caught my attention. I'm like, okay. 
they're going somewhere with this because if they're going to give him a win against the revival, that that's pretty big. Um, I, I was surprised at the moment, but the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, the revival are rumored to face the new day at clash of champions. So obviously you're not going to have, the, I mean, you guess you could have the revival pull double duty, like, you know, Braun and Seth are, but once Robert, once Root and Ziggler won, it kind of made sense. So big win for them, dude. Yeah. And you know, I was really shocked. I did not think that, you know, this makeshift tag team was going to be, former tag team champions that are a legitimate team every week. Yeah. We saw them get past, you know, Lucha house party, but once the, you know, once they came out, I was like, no, there, there's no way. Well, all of a sudden then they beat the revival. I'm like, okay. So I, I, I had a feeling of what they were going for. It didn't go exactly like I thought, but I'm like, okay, I kind of see what they're going with. And I'll explain more into that. Once we get into to the later matches. Mm-hmm. But all, right, so, all in all, it, it was it was a good match between the four of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Um, after that, we got uh, Rock, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder coming down. Not a whole lot to say about this match. Kind of went another one exactly how we expected it to go. Uh, Ziggler hit a super kick on Ryder and pinned him. Went like a minute. It was what it was. Uh, and then we got, you know, I, I completely, I hate to admit, I forgot about this team being part of the match. The Heavy Machinery came out. And I'm like, okay. This is another legit tag team, you know, not as established as the revival, but they're they're pretty they're pretty liked by the crowd. And then them coming out last, all right, I could see heavy machinery winning this. I thought these guys had a really good match. Um, dude, Otis is so over; he's over like crazy. The crowd just goes nuts for this guy. And when he hit the, he hit the caterpillar on Ziggler, um, you know, crowd popped hard for it. But uh, you know, at the end, uh, Tucker Tucker uh, got the tag. Ziggler hit a super kick, and hit, then came and hit the zigzag on Otis. Rude hit the glorious DDT on Tucker, and then pinned him for the win to win, become number one contenders. Um, I thought it was really well done, man, and it is a great showing for Ziggler and Rude. I thought it was a good showing for Heavy Machinery too. They you know they're not hurt at all by this loss, I don't think, because because they really you know put on a good match here. Um, but very kind of shocking to see Ziggler and Rude get the win. This makeshift tag team is now going to be facing Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman at Clash of Champions. But, uh, man, put him over in a big way. Put him over instantly. And, uh, you know, they did cut a promo a little bit later, which I'll go ahead and talk about now, uh, where they talked about teaming together. And, and, you know, Ziggler saying he saw this guy that reminded him kind of a lot of himself and everything like that. And, and you know, they made this tag team, and now they're going to be the next tag team champions. So, uh, man, big night for these two guys and really put them at the at the top of the echelon in the tag team division. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be a one-off. I, I hope not. I think these guys have a lot of potential together. I think they have potential to win the tag team titles at Clash Champions because we're seeing as what they're going to do with Braun and Seth. So, you know, this could be a permanent thing going forward, but uh, big win for these guys. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was booked perfectly because they got like, what, three or four victories in the, the tag team turmoil. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to their match with Seth and Braun at Clash Champions. Yeah, me too. And, you know, th- this is kind of what I was talking about a minute ago. You know, we uh, when Heavy Machinery came out, I thought, okay, now this is why they've had Dolphin Rude, you know, be in this match. They're going to be, you know, they've taken out uh, Lucha House Party, The Revival, and now another former uh, tag team champions in, in Hawkins and Ryder. They're tired this is going to be perfect for heavy machinery to come out and beat them. I was not expecting them to beat heavy machinery, but like you said, they did. And it was a great showing by, by both of them. And 
they work very, very well together. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were talking about, you know, in the back of the interview. She's like, you know, I can't remember her name. Um, I think it was Caleb Braxton. Was it Caleb? Yeah. And she's like, you know, y'all are first time teaming together, but it looks like y'all have been a tag team for a long time. Like, you've got the chemistry there. And they do. They looked really, really good. And like you said, they do have the potential to win the titles at Clash of Champions, depending on what they want to do with Braun and Seth. I could definitely see that, and I would be okay with that. You know, yeah, they, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, that. you know, they, they just, I mean, they really impressed me in this match, just how well they worked together the first time teaming together. I want to see them hold the tag team titles for a while. Yeah, I'd like to see that too. And, you know, they're both they're both veterans. Uh, they've both been in tag teams. You know, Rude was kind of known for being a tag team for a long time in Beer Money. Um, so, you know, he's done the tag team thing for a long time. Uh, Ziggler, you know, he's been in tag teams as well. Like I said, they're, they're both veterans. They've been around forever and they do work really well together. And I liked, um, I liked this match a lot. I like this team. And, and like I said, I'm looking forward to the match at Clash of Champions. Uh, by the way, their interview was with Sarah Schreiber. That was the girl's name. Um, I thought it was Caleb Braxton, but it, it wasn't her. Um, all right. So after this, uh, we got, uh, Sasha Banks making her entrance and she's having a match with Natalia. Uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. It was very physical. I'm glad that they that they started off physical. They didn't, you know, I, that's what that's what nitpick always have and I always tell Rob about too is that I hate when there's a personal rivalry and they start a match with a lockup. Like it just it doesn't make sense to me. But you know, this started quick with Natalia taking her down, just laying fist into her, threw her outside, threw her around on the outside for a while. Um, Sasha took a hard fall, um, or not, a, or she took a hard bump on the outside from a suplex that, or a ger- no, there's a regular suplex. She took the German suplex later, uh, in the ring, that Banks just landed hard on. I'm like, man, I forgot how hard Sasha Banks bumps sometimes. Like she takes nasty bumps, but uh, you know, Banks came back, uh, kind of took over the match, was very, very dominant as well. Uh, put Natalia in the bank statement and got Natalia to tap out. So uh, I thought it was a, a good win for Sasha, a good match altogether. Um, you know, poor Natty. <laughs> you know, she's just kind of taking the brunt of everything right now. But, uh, you know, they're, they're building Sasha Banks. They're doing a really good job. Um, after the match, uh, Sasha went back in the ring, put the bank statement on again. Uh, the fans did chant for Becky, but as we all know, Becky was on vacation with Seth Rollins because they are now engaged. Congratulations to the engaged couple. But Becky was out there this week, so there was no no Becky to save Natalia. So uh, you know it was just Banks just lighting Natalia up and and you know attacking her after the match. I thought it was really well done, man. They're really putting the rocket on Sasha here uh, and giving her a lot of momentum going into this match with Becky. And you know we mentioned it earlier. Um, I'm looking forward to the match. And and Sasha, she's on fire right now. It didn't take her long to get that either. Yeah, exactly. And. You know, I thought she looked really, really good in her first match, you know, official match back. I mean, she's had, you know, a couple brawls outside, but she looked really good. And for her to be as dominant as she was, slap the bank statement on, I mean, it was good to see. And they're, you know, they're definitely, like you said, building her up. And it, you know, is going to lead to a very, very good physical match between Becky and Sasha. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's you know we, we we can break it down again, but we broke it down earlier. Uh, it's just it's gonna be a great match. Two great workers, Sasha being the the top heel in the women's division, and Becky being obvi- or, or arguably the top female 
in the women's division right now. It's it's the perfect matchup, and you know it's it's going to be a great match. I'm looking forward to it. All right, so after this, we got Cedric Alexander versus Cesaro. This match just when I heard they were doing this, I'm like, okay, well we're going to get a great match. Uh, we did, which is not shocking <laughs> between these two guys. Um, these guys just man. Cesaro is so he's so good, man. He's so good at everything he does. It doesn't matter if he's working a cruiserweight, if he's working Braun Strowman. It doesn't matter who he's working, dude. He puts on a great match every time he's in there. I've been on the Cesaro bandwagon for years and years and years at this point. I just God, give this guy a world title run, please. I mean, he's done everything that he's supposed to do. He he got his teeth jammed into his gums and finished the match, and then. Just came back pretty much like it was nothing. Kept working again. You know, this dude is, is amazing. And I, you know, I, I'm i not mad about him losing this match because I do like Cedric Alexander a lot too. And it was a great match. They got a lot of time. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite matches of the night. Um, and it makes sense because Alexander is still in the King of the Ring tournament. So, you know, he's he wasn't going to lose this match. But, uh, man, just, I, I, I'm so, I'm so big on Cesaro, dude. I, I'm such a big fan of his. Everything he does in the ring. And, you know, Alexander, he held his own, too. He hit the lumbar check to get the win, which, in my opinion, is one of my favorite finishers in all of, of wrestling right now. I absolutely love that move. And, um, you know, it was a good match. I thought it was it was a great match, Was like I said, which isn't shocking with these two guys. Uh, but, man, I just, I'm ready. I'm ready for Cesaro. I'm ready for the WWE to give Cesaro that, that next step. You know, to let him be in that main event picture because it's been such a long time coming, and you know, I think he definitely deserves it. Yeah, I think so too. Like you said, it was a great match. Both guys are incredible workers. the The only thing I see with Cesaro is, with as long as he's been there and he hadn't got that push yet, it kind of seems like it's never coming. But I mean, we did see, you know, the push with Kofi that we never saw coming. He went from. You know, mid-card guy to top guy. So, I mean, there's a possibility of them doing that with Cesaro, but it just seems like it's never going to happen. But one of the things that I always remember about Cesaro, and I have to laugh every time I see him, is John Cena cut a promo on him a long time ago and uh, called him pepperoni nipples. I remember the pepperoni nipple and promo yeah that's that's all i can think of every time i see cesaro now so <laughs> he he is a great worker but i'm like yeah well you know you know old pepperoni nipples puts on a good match every time he's out <laughs> it's it's weird how that has stuck around i've heard other people say that too and i didn't think it would last this long but but yeah it does it, it definitely does uh like i said people still talk about it all the time and it does cross my mind sometimes that i'm watching too but man he's just he's such a great worker though dude and he is and, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day. If not, he's just going to keep going out there, putting on great matches with people and keep being Cesaro. But with that said, man, a big win for Cedric Alexander. And he's got a lot of momentum right now. And, uh, you know, he's got a big test next week against Baron Corbin. So we'll see if uh, he continues the momentum and, and beat Corbin in the second round of the King of the Ring. Um, okay, after this, we got we got the interview we talked about with Dolphin Rude. Uh Okay, so I want to talk about this. I don't know if you noticed this or not. So we saw the Street Profits backstage. They were hyping everything that was going on for throughout the night, talking about the main event. Uh, they talked about Mar- our Bourbon Street and stuff like that a little bit. Um, Ford asked Dawkins who he picked for the Raw main event, and as soon as he did, 
Strowman walked into the picture. I pointed this out when it happened, but it looked really, really weird because the camera panned over to Strowman. There's nothing like there's no hallway behind him. There's no open door. There's nothing. It's just like it's it's a closed garage door and a wall. And then Strowman just he's standing there and then it starts walking. And I'm like, that looks weird, man. Like, where did he come from? Like, did they not see him standing there the entire time? And then, like, the camera pans and Strowman's like, oh, that's on me. I got to start walking now. And then he starts walking. It was weird, dude. I don't know if you noticed it also, but I pointed out as soon as I saw it. And I was like, oh, man, did they not notice this when it first happened? Like, this this was such a weird segment, man. It just it didn't make sense. And I, I don't know. What do you think? The, the only thing I can say about it is, you know, normally when we see the Street Profits, they're like very, very hyped up. So maybe they were so hyped up they weren't focusing on this, you know, giant, giant human being standing right beside them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was kind of weird, but I was taking it as, you know, they were just so hyped up and focused on what was happening that they didn't notice him standing there. And then, like you said, the camera panned over and he's like, okay, time to go. And he starts, you know, doing his strut with his belt on his shoulder down to the ring. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, they could have been done better, but... <laughs> Yeah, Strowman's on his way to the ring for a match with AJ, so let's just get to that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it was it was I, I see what they were going for. It was just it was shot weird, you know. I thought maybe like uh it's a pre-tape. You can reshoot that, you know, <laughs> do something. I think I mentioned to John when we were doing the watch along that I would have had the camera on on the, the street profits and have Braun just walk in between them, just like randomly. And then have him like kind of be shocked and like turn and look at him or something, you know, as he's walking away. Something like that. I I don't know. I just it was really, really weird how it was shot in my opinion. Yeah. All right, so after this we got the, we got our main event of the evening, uh AJ Styles versus Braun Strowman. Um you know, it it went longer than I thought because uh you know, normally with any kind of AJ Styles match, the clubs the clubs, you know, running around and they jump in two minutes in and cause a DQ, you know, stuff like that. This match actually went it went, you know, like twelve minutes, something like that. It was, it was a decent amount of time. Um, I thought the ending, the endings, what kind of everybody's talking about though. They went the whole Eddie Guerrero ending with uh, Strowman laying out the OC with the chair, or I should say the OC. He laid out Anderson and Gallows with the chair, and as the ref was coming to, AJ saw that and then jumped backwards, and acted like Braun hit him with the chair as Braun was holding the chair. And then the ref said that I heard the chair being used. I know you used it and then called a DQ on Braun. I don't know how I feel about this. Like I see, I see what they're going for. I just thought, man, it's a little convoluted. It's, it's a little much. I didn't, I guess I wasn't a big fan of it. I would rather, honestly, I'd rather just the OC come in and attack Braun. I mean, but to do something like this, I, it was just, I get it that they're trying to protect AJ. They're trying to protect Braun, but we saw that a couple times throughout the night in other matches though, like everybody trying to get protected right now. And, you know, we've seen WWE do this in the past and it, it causes issues because, you know, you can't protect everybody. If you do that, you're going to have stale product. And I'm afraid that, you know, they're going to keep booking Strowman like this and people are going to turn on Strowman because we've seen it happen to people before. So I, I hope that doesn't happen. 
I just thought this was a little too far out there. They, uh, they just, I feel like they could have done something else. And, you know, it was good for the 12 minutes we got. I thought AJ and, and Strowman worked well together. Um, but I just, I was, I was left a little flat with the finish though. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I kind of think that, you know, the match was really good. I do think that, you know, Gallows and Anderson should have just got in and attacked Braun. The thing that got me with the finishes though, in the past few weeks, we've kind of seen the same thing with the ref being laid out and somebody hitting somebody with a chair and then the ref waking up and be like, did you hit them? And they're like, no, I didn't hit them. I hit, you know, so-and-so and they don't stop the match. They're like, okay, well, give me the, give me the chair, give me the weapon. And they throw it out and then they keep going. Right. But now all of a sudden the ref doesn't see what happens and just automatically assumes like, how come they didn't assume, in, you know, the matches a couple of weeks ago, it's right. not consistent. So I thought the ending was poorly done. It would have been a lot better if they'd have just had, you know, Braun like, you know, do this, do the the running power slam on AJ, and then Gallows and Anderson get in, start beating him up. AJ yeah. gets in, and they're holding, they're holding Braun. AJ hits him with, you know, a phenomenal forearm, and you know the OC stands there victorious in the middle of the ring to end the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have been cool with that too. You know, Braun was able to get his heat back afterwards. He decimated the entire OC, left them all laying, posed at the show, went off the air. I mean, you know, I think if they would have done a cheaper ending, people would have just kind of forgot about it. They'd have been like, oh, well, okay. Well, or not a cheaper ending, but if they'd have done a different ending, then people would kind of just forgot about it. But the fact that it was it was such an awkward ending and it's such a, it's just such a way they did it, it really stuck in people's minds. So even when Braun got his heat afterwards – and was hitting power slams on everybody left and right. Really, what people were talking about was that finish to that match and just how it was kind of just very blah, and people didn't like it. So, you know, it was the first time we've seen the OC kind of laid out for to end a show because they've been so dominant lately, and it makes Braun look like a monster, which is great going into this match. But just kind of, you know, when the show went off the air, I just kind of sat there and went, man, I got kind of a bad taste in my mouth. You know, like just – Something about the ending of that just didn't didn't resonate with me. But you know, with that being said, I thought I thought Raw was a good show. There was some stuff that was really good that really stuck out. Uh, no Seth Rollins. I mean, we did have the backstage thing with him, but that was recorded last week because he and Becky were on vacation this week. Um, no twenty four seven title. We just saw the thing that happened at Fox Studios, and no Bray Wyatt. We just saw a re- like a like a Firefly Funhouse recap. So kind of weird to not have those three things on Raw with it being the, the long three-hour show. But, hey, even with all that gone, man, I thought it was still a pretty decent show overall. Yeah, I think so too. It was, you know, it, it would have been better had they not, you know, screwed up the ending, you know, right there at the end. That's the last thing you're thinking about when it goes off the air. So a lot of people were probably thinking, oh, well, Raw sucked just because of the ending. It didn't. It was a very, very good show. The ending to the match sucked. But overall, it was it was quality. You know, it it was a good show for, you know, the three hours that it was on until the end. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, you know, and that's that happens with a lot of things nowadays where if something ends bad, then people think the entire thing is bad. That's not the case here, especially with a three-hour show. There's so much stuff on there. So, you know, everything's not going to be perfect. That's, you know, that's that's what it is. And next week, you know, we'll probably get we'll get something else. We'll completely forgot forget about what happened this week with the finish. We'll be like, oh, okay, well, really doesn't matter because we moved on. So, all right. So with that being said, that's that's Monday Night Raw, guys. So without without wasting any more time, let's jump into what we thought of this week's SmackDown Live. 
All right, so SmackDown Live from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Blake. A place that we're not too fond of being Arkansas Razorback fans. But, you know, SmackDown was there this week, and I thought the crowd was pretty good for the most part. Um, you know, we saw the show start with a recap of Roman Reigns' mystery attacker storyline with this random Rowan-looking dude that got, you know, that Brian and Rowan had for, for Reigns last week. Just completely people going, you talk about bad, crazy endings, leaving you questioning everything. They're, as bad as that Raw one was, I think the one last week on SmackDown was even more confusing. Like, what? Like, who is that? Like, what are, what are we looking at? But, uh, you know, but they showed that to open up the show. Um, uh, they, uh, Kayla Braxton did run into Roman Reigns, and Roman said, or she asked him if he had anything to say about what happened last week, and Reigns said that he'll say it in the ring. So uh, so we, we knew we were getting Roman a little bit later. Uh, but out in the arena, the first thing we got was the WWE champion Kofi Kingston. Uh, Kingston came out throwing pancakes, all his stuff, you know, being being all Kofi. Um, I thought Kofi cut a pretty good promo here. He's been he's been on his game with his promos lately. Uh, he he and Orton have had some great exchanges, um, and he showed a lot of passion here. He he's, he was very serious. It was a serious Kofi that we don't get as often as fun loving Kofi, um, and. Uh, you know, I, I I like the intensity. I like that he shows he's taking this he's taking this one seriously, and he even said that you know he he wasn't trying to make this personal. This was him just trying to show that he belongs, that you know he is the WWE champion, and he wants to beat somebody at the upper echelon of um, like a Randy Orton. So um, you know, I thought it was I thought it was a great promo by Kofi. Orton came out. And your he for or no he he was just he was on the Titan John he was saying stupid 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 over and over again, um, and then he made it personal, and he brought he started reading a letter, and this is actually a throwback to an old Roddy Piper promo, and it's pretty awesome. If you guys go, if you guys uh, can Google the Roddy Piper letter promo, uh, you guys will see the similarities between these two. They're both really really good, but uh, Orton cut the promo and uh, and pretty much said it was from Kofi's son. And he said instead of writing it back, he's going to go pay him a visit. And uh, Kofi wasn't having that <laughs> because, you know, you're bringing, you're bringing my kids into it now? Uh, hell no. So, you know, he jumped out right in the back, and Orton was waiting for him. And they, they had a pretty good, pretty good scrub back in the gorilla position. And it ended with Orton hitting Kofi with the elevated DDT off a table, which is a pretty cool spot. And once, I called, once I saw Kofi laying up there, I was like, ah, okay, I kind of see what's going on. But uh, man, this is this was a good this is a good segment altogether. I thought both guys were great on the promo. I thought the beat the 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 pull part was good. Uh, very hot way to open up SmackDown. Yeah, I thought so too. I, I'm really impressed with Kofi here lately. He has definitely stepped his game up, and you know, going against a legend like Randy Orton, 13 time world champion. I mean, you've got to. And you know, the promo was very good. I, I wish that you know Orton would have cut a few stupids out felt like he went too long on stupids there was a lot of stupids yeah there was yeah. but besides that i thought it was great and you know the the personal touch especially like i said you know i talked about it earlier in in uh the raw recap but being a father and you know that got to me emotionally oh he's he's going to talk to my son i don't i don't want the viper around my son so yeah that that emotionally charged thing the, the only part that I saw that, I, you know, kind of made it less realistic was when he jumped out of the ring. Me being a dad, I'd have left my belt laying there. 
he started I, to walk I, off. I noticed. I actually noticed that too. Yeah. Yeah. And he turned around to grab the belt. I'm like, okay, you know, if you're if you're really believing your kid's in danger, that belt's going to go flying. It don't matter where it's at. I ain't going back to get it. You know. But I get it. He is the champ. He's got to have his belt. But all in all, I thought it was a great segment. The you know the backstage brawl was great. Like you said, the the pull apart was great. And you know the the finish to it with the elevated DDT was incredible. So overall, it was a great segment. Yeah, me too, man. It's got me really hyped for their rematch. And you know their match, their last match did not end well. It was one of the bigger disappointments of SummerSlam uh, with the way that it ended. And I think they're going to make up for it this time. I expect these guys to go out and have a great match at Clash of Champions. So the build's been good. It's gotten personal. Anytime, anytime a few gets personal, it always makes it a little bit better. And they've done a really good job with this one. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so afterwards, uh, we went to commercial and came back. And uh, Big E's walking out of the trainer's office. Caleb Braxton asked uh, about Kofi and noted that Big E will be facing Orton later on in the show. Uh, he said Kofi will be ready at Clash of Champions, but after tonight, he can't say the same thing about Orton. Good, quick, to-the-point promo by Big E. You know, kind of the same thing we said about Kofi earlier, that, you know, Kofi's usually fun-loving, he's happy-go-lucky, but it's serious night, and they're not playing around. And, you know, Big E, you know, after seeing Xavier get his leg broke, and then now Kofi getting attacked and, and knocked out by Orton, yeah, he's got a vendetta now, and he's not he's not playing around, so... He was all business. I thought this was a really good, good, quick promo by Big E. Yeah, I loved it. And, you know, we are, we have gotten used to seeing the fun loving, booty shaking, you know, screaming, making, you know, high pitched uh, noises with his mouth, talking, you know, yeah. fun loving Big E. It was good to see the serious side of Big E again. Yeah. And, you know, because that's what he was back when he first started, was he was just this big bowed up dominant dude that came out and destroyed people and you know now it was it was nice to see that flashback to that so when he came out being all serious and it's like him versus orton i'm like oh okay now you have my attention because this is really going to be interesting now you're not going to get fun loving biggie you're going to get destroy your biggie versus the viper yeah exactly and you know sometimes that's all it takes for a build you don't have to have some kind of huge build for a match Lay out your buddy and go avenge your buddy. Hey, works. So it, it was enough for me to get to look forward to that match later on. Speaking of matches we're looking forward to, next we got the first King of the Ring match of the night between Ali and Buddy Murphy. Good Ooh, lord. Match. Man, this match. This match was good. Uh, buddy Murphy's three for three, man, <laughs> in the last three weeks in good matches. Um, man, these guys, you know, they, they went so fast. They flew around everywhere. Just... Everything was so crisp, man. Every single spot. Uh, Ali hits a hit a reverse Hurricane Rada that spiked Murphy. Uh, Murphy hit that. I love that that package super kick he does in the corner when he like he takes their head, puts it between their legs, and then super kicks them between their legs. I, I love that spot that Murphy does. But there's one spot I want to talk about. I know you're you know exactly which spot I'm about to bring up. It's cutting into your exercise time. <clears throat> it's stabbing you in the back nine. <clears throat> And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
from the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Actual speed vary and not guaranteed. So Buddy Murphy's on the apron. And Ali hits some kind of like double-springed tilt-a-whirl tornado DDT on Murphy while Murphy's hanging kind of like, like a draping uh, DDT that Randy Orton does kind of the same thing. I cannot do justice in words how awesome this DDT was. I, I've never seen something like this before. Ali is the most freak athlete I've ever seen in my life. This was like, guys, please go back and watch this. If you have not watched it yet, even if you don't want to watch the entire match, watch the ending sequence to this, to this, to this match. This DDT is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And they just they did it flawlessly. The the impact, oh my god! Like Murphy just spiked into the mat. It it was loud. It was destructive. Holy shit! It was good. <laughs> it was amazing. And then Ali to put the cherry on top goes up as the four fifty splash for the victory. What a match, dude! What an awesome match from beginning to end. And then just those two spots at the end just really really put it over the top, man. And this ended up. Probably being my favorite match on both shows of the week. And, you know, no surprise with these guys that are that good. Buddy Murphy's on top of his game right now. Ali, there's a reason why he's being pushed as hard as he is, put in these positions because he's so good. Man, the sky's the limit for both of these guys. They went out there and put on an absolute clinic for us. Yes, they did. Absolutely incredible match. Definitely the best match of the week between the two shows. Like you said, there are no words for that DDT like mm-hmm. there's nothing you can say about it except go watch it because there's no way to explain it to you it was incredible and then like you said the 450 afterwards was perfect absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. both of these guys are absolutely incredible and you know like you said Buddy Murphy has been putting on good matches the last few weeks uh, at one point he hit a run and knee on ollie that was incredible i mean both these guys put on a hell of a match so um yeah i saw something on twitter a couple of days ago that was very interesting and i was waiting until i got you on the show to bring it up to you because i thought it was something very very interesting uh it was actually being said during the uh again i guess it was late last week because it was a couple days after the uh the daniel bryan match Somebody said Buddy Murphy is the closest thing we will ever get to Kenny Omega being in the WWE. And I thought about it and I'm like, I started and I started, I really started picturing it watching this match with Ali. And I started, you know, I saw the running knee, I saw the V trigger, I saw some of the mannerisms he does, the way he moves around the ring. It's very, very similar, dude. And I didn't, I never picked up on it until this guy said that. Um, but when I when I was watching this match with Ali, I was like, man, I, I really see it now. He has a lot of similarities and a very similar move set to what Kenny Omega has. And, you know, I know you're a fan of Kenny. Uh, you've been a fan of Kenny for a long time. So if, you know, if anybody is being compared to Kenny Omega, that is definitely not a bad thing. No. And now you saying that, I've got to go back and watch that match again because I've never looked at it that way either. But now you have my interest peaked mm-hmm. because 
thinking back, you know, I mean, I can't remember the match move by move. But now that you said that, going back to some of the key moments in that match, I see it. But now mm-hmm. I want to go watch the entire match again because it's probably going to blow me away once <laughs> I actually am looking for it. So mm-hmm. that's really good. Now I want to see Buddy Murphy versus Kenny Omega. Oh, God. I, I think the world <laughs> would explode if that happened. I don't think those two guys could be in the same place at one time. I think I don't think it, the universe can handle that. But yeah, man, I, I thought that was really interesting when I saw that on Twitter, and then I watched this match. And I was like, wow, did I really, really see it now? So yeah, definitely go back. If anybody you know disagrees or or if uh, you know you didn't think about that, go back and watch this match with that in your mind. And if you guys are, are a Kenny Omega fan or have even seen Kenny Omega's work, watch Buddy Murphy. There's a lot of similarities between the two. All right, so um, with that match being in the books, uh, we are getting uh, Ali versus Elias next week. Um, what do you think? Do you think Ali moves on, or do they keep? Uh, do you see maybe another fluke win uh, with some Shane McMahon help for Elias? I actually see Ali getting the win. I think that they're gonna try that, and Ali's gonna overcome. And be able to still pick up the win because I think Elias is going to have, you know, more things to do with the twenty four seven championship. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm hoping to God it is Ricochet and Ali in the finals. Oh man, you talking about two people, two people that shouldn't be in the same ring at the same time, right? <laughs> that match, man, that match would be absolutely incredible. Yes, um, and you know, that, th- there's there's still a couple of guys in this tournament that if you match them together. It's going to be something special, but man, Ali and Ricochet, woo, yeah, there's, there's definitely something special there. For That's sure. my pick for the finals. I like it. I like it. So yes, I think I think Shane does try to help uh, Elias, but I think Owens comes out and kind of runs Shane off, and it distracts uh, Elias, and Ali is able to get the win. I like it. That makes a lot of sense, and I can totally see that. You know, you've watched a lot of WWE. You kind of know how things work at times, and that definitely fits the WWE mold. So uh, I like it. I, I, I could definitely see that happening. All right, so after this, we went to the back, and we see Bailey talking with Ember Moon. Uh, Bailey wanted to talk about SummerSlam. Moon said, nope, <laughs> not happening. Uh, it's like it's, She's dealing with it in her own way, and Bailey's like, okay. Um, but then we got the returning Lacey Evans showing up. I love it. Uh, Lacey said that Flair was right about Bailey bringing down the prestige of the title. Uh, Evans claimed she was the face of the division. Bailey and, and uh, Ember both kind of laughed at her. And Evans said she'll prove it tonight in a match. Um, so, you know, I, we got Lacey Evans back. Uh, I, I was glad to see her. We have not seen her since Extreme Rules, which is weird because she was in such a high profile spot for a long time with Becky Lynch. And then all of a sudden, boom, she's gone. Haven't seen her in months. And then now she's back on, on SmackDown facing Bailey. So, uh, I was happy to see her. I, I think Lacey's got a great character. She has a great delivery. Um, and I, I don't really know what else to say about it. I like it. I'm, I'm a Lacey Evans fan, so I, I like this segment a lot. I am glad the sassy Southern Belle is back to clean up all the nasties in this division. <laughs> that woman's right is going to come in handy. I love Lacey Evans. She's probably one of my favorite females uh, in the division right now. So, uh you know, she she got a push early, and she wasn't able to capitalize on it. She kind of disappears for a little bit. She's back. 
hopefully now she gets a push towards the SmackDown women's title because, you know, I, I love her. I want to see her as a champion sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. She's got a great gimmick. She's good on the mic. She's incredible looking. You know, she's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And she's a really good worker. And for her size, I mean, she is a little bit bigger than most women, a little stockier. And that woman's right is the perfect finisher for her. I love everything about Lacey Evans, and I, I hope they push her to the moon. Uh, I love Ember Moon as well. So that would be the match for the title that I want to see is Ember Moon defending the title against Lacey Evans. Yeah, I think that's definitely a feud for the future. Uh, Both of those ladies are going to be around for a long time. Um, I'll have some more to say about Lacey here in a few minutes uh, after her match with, uh, with Bailey. So once, once we get to that, we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper um, into that match. Uh, Then we got the Miz coming out. Uh, Wasn't a Miz TV, but it was just the Miz in ring gear, cutting a promo. Um, you know, he talked about Sami Zayn and called, called, him, called him Nakamura's spokesperson now and stuff. And, you know, I didn't think there's a whole lot to this promo. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the main part of it was Miz challenging Nakamura for the Intercontinental title. Um, but uh, instead of Nakamura, he got Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn came out and, you know, Zayn is a good promo, man. He, he cuts great promos every time he's out there. Uh, he called Miz the king of soft style, which is pretty funny. Because, <laughs> you know, Miz has kind of had the the notion of being kind of a soft worker sometimes. So I thought that was a pretty funny line. Um, but, you know, it, it got Miz pissed off. Miz got out of the ring. And Zayn pretty much told him, you don't need, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't come attack me. Miz got out of the ring. Nakamura came out and leveled him. And, dude, Zayn was so over the top here. Like, he kept yelling, go on, my champion, go on. And was just yelling Nakamura's name, like just being, he's Leo Rush. He's Sami Zayn is Leo Rush now. It's exactly what he is. But he's a better promo than than, than Rush, in my opinion. But um, I, you know, I I was kind of iffy about this pairing of Zayn and Nakamura last week. I didn't know how it was going to go because they're so different, and I was afraid of Zayn getting into something with Nakamura because Zayn's done. He's lost so much. I know I'm such a big fan of his. I want to see him do things as a singles competitor and go for titles and stuff like that. But, you know, Nakamura kind of needed something else too. He had been getting a little stale, even though he has the IC title. So I think it works out great for both guys. And it, it, it's going to, it's going to propel Nakamura because of his, his issue speaking, uh, speaking English. And it's going to propel Zane because he has somebody like Nakamura in his corner. So uh, I did like this a lot. I thought this was good. Two weeks in a row, the Miz has gotten beat down. Um, and, you know, the Miz did a great job of making the IC title relevant before. And he made, you know, he, he mentioned that in his promo that he, he wants to do it again. So, you know, the Miz, is, the Miz could go for the IC title anytime he wants pretty much at this point of his career. And it's going to be believable just because of the things he did with it. Um, so I, I like this a lot. I like this segment. Um, the beatdown was good for the second week in a row, and it looks like we're getting Nakamura and Miz at Clash Champions. Yeah, I, I like this. Um, like you said, Miz is definitely believable in the IC, you know, title picture anytime, anywhere, any place. I'm still not 100% sold on the pairing between Sami Zayn and Nakamura. I get Nakamura needs a mouthpiece. And I'm a huge Sami Zayn fan as well. I want to see him. So what I'm hoping is maybe they use this to to turn Sami face again. 
Maybe Nakamura gets tired of Sammy, turns on Sammy and takes him out, and then him and Sammy feud for the IC title, and then maybe you put the IC title on Sammy for a while. You, you know, know they, it's it's really weird you mentioned that because I actually saw a report earlier that there are some rumblings that this pairing could be kind of a rehash of Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. And where, you know, it's kind of a temporary thing and it's going to end with a feud between the two for the IC title where Sami Zayn would play the role of Chris Jericho and Nakamura would play the heel of Kevin or the, the heel of Kevin Owens <laughs> would play the role of Kevin Owens. So the fact you mentioned that is genius because you obviously know your shit uh, because if that's being reported and it just popped to you like that, that's really, that's really good, man. So um, I, I agree with you. I, I totally could see them going that way. And it would be a, it'd be a good change for Sammy because we've seen the heel Sammy for a while. He has gotten to that spot where he's not really doing a whole lot. He's losing all the time, getting kind of stale. So yeah, it would be something great for Sammy. I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, they definitely need to do something with Sammy. He's too good of a talent not to do anything with. Right. And he does, you know, he deserves more than just being Nakamura's mouthpiece and, you know, holding up people for Nakamura to, you know, hit him with a Kinshasa. I mean, it he deserves more. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, after this, we saw Elias back in, back in the office playing his guitar uh, and Kevin Owens walked in. Um, Elias told him to knock. Owen said the door was open. <laughs> so Elias kind of like, oh, okay. Um, and oh, or Elias was kind of talking crap, but Owen's like, hey man, I'm just here to see Shane McMahon. As like, he's like, is Shane here? Elias said, no, Shane's not here. Owen said, really? Shane's not here. And Elias said, yeah, he's not here. And Owen said, thanks. And then walked out. Kind of knew where this was going. <laughs> you know, Kevin's, Kevin's that. He's a dashingly baby face. So you knew you knew when, he, when those wheels were turning, you knew what was going on and where it was going. So uh, this is this was a fun little segment. I liked it. I liked it. I had the chemistry between Elias and, and Owens. There's something there's something there with those two guys. Yeah, I'd like to see a legit match between them without Shane getting involved. Yeah, I don't think we've seen that yet. Mm. I think every time we've we've had that match, Shane or somebody, the revival or something, McIntyre's gotten involved somehow. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that match eventually too. Um, after this, we got, uh, Lacey Evans making her entrance for her match against Bailey. Um, this was not a women's title match. Um, I thought this match was okay. There was some good parts. There were some bad parts. Um, one of the things that I, that I wasn't a big fan of, this was a long match, dude. <laughs> this match went almost 15 minutes. That's a long match. And... There was a couple times it it seemed like that Evans missed a spot here and there, and that Bailey was kind of getting frustrated. Um, there, I don't know if you noticed it. Go back and watch it. But there's a spot where where uh, Lacey's talking to the referee, and then you hear Bailey go arm drag, <laughs> just clears day. She just yells arm drag, and I think that was something about maybe Bailey was getting frustrated about something because that's kind of how it seemed like like it was playing off. Um, but with that being said, I mean, for it being Lacey's first match back for a while, excuse me, I, I thought it was fine. Um, there's just like, like I said, there was a couple times that maybe, maybe Evans looked a little lost. She looked a little out of place. Maybe that's what was kind of frustrating Bailey. Cause Bailey did, Bailey didn't look like herself. Like she looked like there was something bothering her about this match. And I think it was just kind of like that. Maybe Evans was out of place a little bit, but 
there were some good spots. I did like, I love the springboard moonsault that, that Evans does. It looks really good. And this one was no exception. I thought it looked great. Um, and then, uh, you know, Bailey hit the elbow drop and got the win. So, you know, it was what it was. I thought it was fine. Uh, I just thought it, I just thought it went a little long and I thought Evans was out of place a couple of times. There's a couple of spots that were a little messed up, but you know, besides that, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I, I agree. Wasn't a great match. It, you know, kind of like on Raw, wasn't a great match with Nikki, but, you know, wasn't horrible either. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like to me that Bailey and Lacey just don't have a lot of chemistry together. Right. There's something missing all. with those two. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, kind of a bad week for Bailey. I mean, she did get wins in both matches, but they weren't impressive matches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully when she takes on Charlotte, we know how good Charlotte is. We know the chemistry they got. So I, I'm expecting a lot better match. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just didn't seem like there was a lot of chemistry there. Definitely some missed spots. And like you said, the frustration from Bailey with Lacey being a little out of place. You know, I just they, they haven't really been in there enough together to, to gain that chemistry yet. So mm-hmm. it could happen in the future, but right now it just wasn't clicking. Yeah, you know, both matches were kind of missing something this week for Bailey, and it was for two completely different reasons. I thought the match on Raw with Nikki, it went too quick that it never really got out of the gates, and I thought this one went too long and kind of exposed Lacey a little bit as still kind of being green. So, and I don't blame Bailey for either one of those. Bailey, we know Bailey's a great worker. We know how good she is in the ring. Um, I just think it was. Bad situational booking, in my opinion, for, for, for Bailey this week. And I don't want to take anything away from Lacey or Nikki either. I mean, they're both good. They are. I just thought, you know, it, maybe it is a chemistry thing. Maybe Bailey does. I think she has chemistry with Nikki, but it just really didn't have the chance to get going. But, yeah, there's something about Bailey and Lacey, though. We've seen it before. Just they don't they don't exactly click together. Not, not the way – I thought Lacey and Becky clicked pretty well. I thought, you know, it took some time, but I think it did happen. Maybe that's what Bailey and Lacey need is they need some time to work on it. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely something not quite linking together with these two in the ring. I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, I think, like you said, Lacey did have good chemistry with Becky. I think the best chemistry I've seen her with was her versus Charlotte. Oh, yeah. You know, they Which Charlotte can make anybody look good. She's yeah. just that good herself. But, yeah, definitely need to, like, get them some work back at the Performance Center or something you know, get them some more chemistry if they're going to keep doing these matches because it wasn't great. The match wasn't terrible, but definitely could have been better. And, you know, if they're wanting to go that route, then they're going to have to put the work in. Yep. Agree. Totally agree. All right. After this, we got uh, Big E making his way to the ring. He's got a one-on-one match with Randy Orton. Uh, we talked about this earlier that Big E is in uh, serious mode, and he was in serious mode coming to the ring. He was in serious mode during this match. And uh, I like this. I haven't seen this Big E in a long time. I remember back in his NXT days when he was kind of the ruthless Big E. When he was uh, Dolph Ziggler's muscle, he was kind of a serious character. We haven't seen it in a long time. And I forgot how dangerous serious Big E could be. And he looked really, really good in this match, man. I, I like this match a lot. It shows that that Big E can go as a single star. Um. Earlier this year, he had a couple of singles matches. I thought maybe they were testing the water to see how he would do kind of on his own. I don't feel like this is that that's the situation in this one. This one, I think, is more of just kind of how the storyline's playing out with Xavier being, you know, kayfabe heard and 
Kofi being kayfabe hurt now, and you know, so just Big E left. Orton's taking out everybody. He's talking about the whole new day except for for Big E. So um, I thought this was really good, man. And uh, you know, it keeps Big E looking strong because the revival, because the revival got involved. Uh, Big E takes a hell of an RKO. <laughs> he, he makes RKO look really good. Um, but uh, this is a good match, man. And of course, you know, we got the beat down afterwards. I I don't know about you, dude. I absolutely love this trio of the revival and Randy Orton. I don't know what it is. There's something about these three guys, dude. When I first saw them a couple weeks ago, like like you know, the heavens opened and like this bright this bright light came down on them, and I was like, dude, there's something here with these three guys. I don't know what it is, but my God, this is this is awesome. Like, and uh, they keep showing it week after week, and they keep having these um um these awesome moments. So uh, I hope they continue with this man. Um, and of course, you know, eventually we're going to get that, that three on three match with the new day. And, and these guys, um, they are using, they don't have a team name yet, but they are using the hashtag FTRKO on Twitter, which you can, you know, you can decide for yourself what FTR stands for. If you're a fan of, uh, of being the elite, you can, you probably know what FTR stands for, but, but throwing, but throwing the, 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 the KO at the end, I like it. You know, it, it kind of kind of runs them together. So, but uh, with that being said, man, this is a good segment. Great match all around. Uh, both guys look great. Um, Orton, man, Orton's back on his game again. He's he's Randy Orton. He's the Viper again. We hadn't seen this Randy Orton in a while. Like we kind of said with Big E, the serious Big E. Orton is on his game, dude. And when Randy Orton's on his game, there's not many better. And he's showing it right now. So, man, I, I'm really stoked for Orton and Kofi in three weeks. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the same thing we got last time. It's you know I think they learned their lesson, but man, Randy Orton is just he's on top of man he's on top of the division right now. He's on top of the wrestling world pretty pretty close in my opinion. So, uh, what'd you think of this whole thing, man? The match, the 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 post match, everything. What'd you think? I loved it. The when Biggie came out all serious, I got goosebumps, dude. Like, yeah, I I remember Biggie Langston, you know, back. When oh was, name last name drop nice. yeah yeah back in the day when he was Biggie Langston and he was just this brute and it was good to see and like you said I love the revival with Randy Orton and you know still kept Biggie strong they did the beat down Orton's one of the best to ever step foot in the ring and he proves it every single week um, I love the whole thing about the the FTR KO. Uh, I am a big being the elite fan, so I know what FTR means there. We know in WWE it means free the revival. Right. Um, or forever or, the revival. Yeah, yeah or either forever one. the revival. Yeah, yeah. either one. For, for a while it was free, free the revival when they were kind of not happy with their position and they were wanting to leave yeah. you know, WWE and all that. So I think but, things are a little better now. Yeah, just, just slightly. Just, just a hair. Yeah. yeah. So, But yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, and like I said, I am a big being the elite fan. I've seen every single episode. I, I know when the whole FTR thing started <laughs> and what it stands for, what it means. Like, you know, but yeah, just this whole match gave me goosebumps, dude. Like it was, it was so incredible. Like you said, Big E for as big as he is, is one of the best sellers in the company. Like mm-hmm. he sells so well. He's awesome. And yeah. I mean, it was an incredible match. I love the fact that the revival came out and got involved again. I am looking forward to Kofi and Randy. Hell, I'm looking forward to the New Day versus FTRKO. Yeah, me too, man. And 
you know, it, now that the sides are kind of even, and now that we have the revival kind of officially with Orton, I think, you know, maybe it is time for Orton to beat Kofi. Because you could always play the fact that Kofi kind of has the numbers game a little bit. But with the revival being there, it takes that away. Now we got three on three. And, you know, maybe it is time for Orton to take that title back and lead the SmackDown division heading into Fox. Um, I said during the last pay-per-view I expected that to happen, and it didn't. But I'm still sticking to my guns, man. I really think it's a big possibility because uh, Orton is a big name. He's been a he's been a, a well-known superstar in the WWE for a very, very long time. Uh, and I think Fox, they recognize him. They know casual fans and recognize him as champion too. Nothing against Kofi, man. I think Kofi's reign's been great. And he's been incredible. He's had great matches. And they've done a great job booking him. But, you know, maybe Orton is the guy to go with. And um, now that the sides are even, I could, I could possibly see that happen in a Clash of Champions. Yeah, the the one thing that I would like to see is, you know, maybe Kofi retain at Clash of Champions, and then when they do do the triple threat match, mm-hmm. it's winner take all. So you get new mm. WWE World Heavyweight Champion and new Tag Team Champions in the same match, mm. or you get the New Day keeping it all. Like, they've, they've done that recently with, um, you know, Seth and Becky versus uh, Corbin and Lacey, winner take mm. all. Mm-hmm. Why not do something like that? have them win it right before they go on Fox and then come into Fox with FTRKO holding all the gold to come in. That's a pretty good idea. I didn't, I didn't think about potentially doing that. Uh, you know, they, they, you're right. They have kind of done the winner take all thing a little bit lately. Um, I like that a lot. I think that that'd be a very high profile match. Uh, the revival, you know, are obviously legit, a legit tag team. You know, they're believable tag team champions. Randy Orton, God, you talk about it. You talk about a, a legitimate world champion. Right? <laughs> Not many more more legitimate than Randy Orton. So uh, I like that a lot, man. That's a great idea. I will they do it? Probably not. But because you know WWE, even though they take they do take our ideas. So I could see that. Yeah, I guess it could happen. So, but I like it, man. I like that a lot. Yeah, I just think it would be a perfect way to head in into Fox. Even if you did it like on the first night on Fox and had that be the main event of Mm -hmm. SmackDown that night. Yeah. Man, that would draw huge interest for your first night on Fox, the possibility of all the titles changing hands. Yeah. Man, that would be huge. And then have FTRKO standing tall at the end of the show. I I like that. I like it a lot, man. I I hope they do that. I'm going to be disappointed if they don't now. (laughs) I really will. Sorry, don't mean to get your hopes up. but No, no, you're good. You're good, man. Just just these ideas I got popping around in here. (laughs) Right. That That was really good, though. I like it. All right, so after this, we got a got a weird interview with Chad Gable. So Gable was being interviewed, and then Shelton Benjamin walks up, and he made more short jokes and told Sarah Schreiber, if you see Gable, tell him I'm looking for him, as he's, like, staring at Chad Gable. And then he just kind of walked away, and Chad kind of shook his head. Man, I, I know there's these reports going around that Gable or that Chad Gable is getting a name change. And possibly a gimmick change. And uh, God, I hope not. Because I don't know if you've heard this, but there's rumors that he's going to change his name to Shorty G. And that Shelton Benjamin's name is going to be Shelty B. And they're going to get back as a tag team. God, I hope not. <laughs> no, no. Not, not that I don't want him as a tag team. That's fine. But this this name change to this, like, 
God, man, what a waste. What a waste of talent, man, for for, Shel- for mm. Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Man, they were so much better when they were basically, uh, you know, you know Haas off and, of 2.0. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, Haas and Benjamin 2.0. I mean, yeah. still the was world's so greatest much, tag team. Yeah. Right, exactly. But they were, you know, it was so much better because they were themselves. They were, you know, Olympic wrestler. And, I mean, it was so much better. Don't change them to this stupid stuff. Yeah. You, WWE's been doing so well about uh, not changing people and screwing them up lately, and now they're talking about doing this. Please yeah. no, Shorty I, G and Shelty B. Yeah, that's gonna go over like, like a, a fart, like fart church, like farting church, right? <laughs> like it's not gonna go well. No, and it's gonna be kind of like the Viking Raiders, where they come out with a new name every week, right? Until the you know until the Viking Raiders finally stuck like it's gonna be like that because the first week they come out to that they're gonna whether their faces are heels they're gonna get booed out of the building yeah you know I, I I agree I agree with you totally um I God I hope they reconsider I know they filed for the trademark already so they might be all in with this but I hope not I hope they reconsider and don't do this so we'll see we'll see where they go but it's not looking promising oh good lord. <laughs> All right, so after this, we got Elias coming out. Uh, he actually was not in the middle of the ring. He was on the King of the Ring throne. And uh, he cut a promo. He said uh, everybody after King Ring was saying, long live King Elias. It's actually kind of got kind of a decent ring to it. It does. <laughs> it does. And he mentioned uh, former champions, like our King of the Ring winners, like Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, and Edge. But none of them could wear a crown like him. Um, and as he's... King uh, could. King Booker could. That's very true. Uh, but as he's cutting this promo, uh, Kevin Owens showed up behind him. And Owens kind of beat him down. Uh, and then Owens got through with the ring, hit a stunner. Uh, the stunner eh, is a little off, but you know what? Owens is still learning, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, just kind of a short segment, typical Elias segment, cutting on their, you know, bashing on the crowd. Owens, you know, we saw the the thing, the interaction earlier with Owens and, and Elias in the, in the locker room. So we knew something like this was coming, but you know, it got Owens on the show, got Elias on the show. Um, Owens beat him down and Owens left. You know, I'm, I, I was, I was surprised it took as long as it did for them to get into what happened next. Cause I thought like instantly when Kevin Owens was attacking Elias, we'd see like our truth, like standing outside the ring, like waiting, like waiting for, for something to happen. But you know, after, after Elias got knocked out, our truth showed up. He tried to pin, uh, Elias, uh, truth pulled our, our, uh, Drake Maverick pulled truth out of the ring. Uh, and then Maverick ran in there, covered Elias and became the new 24 seven champion. So, um, and you now know, he can finally get some, maybe he can consummate his marriage. I don't know though. He's, what, like a six-time champion now? And he still hasn't consummated his marriage? He needs to get so, on it quick. So, yeah, I, so I don't I don't know if you can blame the 24-7 title on this anymore. He's had his opportunities. You know, he's... It's Drake, it's time. You got to get this done, man. Because you might be running out of time soon. Yeah, you need to go <laughs> let your wife make you a man. Yeah, right. <laughs> and instead of just the little midget person you are. I don't know if yeah. I can. I don't know if that's the proper term for it. I don't know if that's probably not. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. 
But uh, yeah, congratulations, Drake Maverick, new twenty four seven champion. Um, I thought Here. Truth would win. It. I thought Truth would win it back before the show was over, and he didn't. I was really surprised. But uh, hey, Drake Maverick, twenty four seven champion again. So here, here's here's hoping he gets a a, a little bit of uh, you know, yeah, a little little fun fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we went to commercial and came back, and Shelton Benjamin was already in the ring. Uh, Chad Gable made his opponent – made his opponent. Chad Gable made his entrance as his opponent. Um, not really a react, not really a big reaction for both guys, but, you know, you go, you, you did go in here knowing that this is going to be a pretty decent match. I mean, it's Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. These guys know each other really well. They're both, they're both great workers. Um, I was – it was good for what it was given, but, man, I was a little disappointed that – only went like a couple minutes. We've seen a lot longer King of the Ring matches. And, you know, there was some rumors by some big name people that the original script for this show had these guys going like 16 minutes, something like that. That would have been an incredible match with these two guys. But again, just like the last two weeks, Vincent Mann did not like the script, so he ripped it up and rewrote it. Even though Vincent Mann was not at the show this week, he pretty much rewrote it over the phone. So... I feel bad for these guys that I, if that was that was the truth, then they went from having 16 minutes to four minutes, and that that really sucks. I, I hate that for these two guys because both these guys are great wrestlers. Um, but you know the match, it was fine. Um, it's pretty much your your basic WWE match for the most part, where the big guys on offense for most of it. Um, you know Gable did hit, hit that sweet German suplex that he that he, that he does that I really like. Um, and then Gable countered the powerbomb for the victory. And Chad Gale's moving on the King of the Ring. I just, man, I was left a little flat on this one, too, just because I was expecting so much, you know, because these two guys. And I don't blame either one of these guys because they're both great, great workers. I just felt like the WWE kind of missed an opportunity and let let a lot of people down because this could have been a, a great showcase, especially for Chad Gable, because a lot of people are very high on him. But, you know, for these guys to only get a couple minutes, it, it sucks. But, you know, it is what it is. And congrats to Chad. So uh, next week we're going to get Chad Gable versus Andrade, which is going to be a very, very fun match. And uh, uh, they will probably get more time. <laughs> I'd be surprised if they didn't. So that one's got the the makings to be a great match as well. Uh, what did you think of this match and this segment altogether? It was good. Um, I'm with you. It was a letdown just because we know what these two guys can do in the ring and they weren't given that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if what they said was true, they were originally supposed to have like 15, 16 minutes, then McMahon definitely botched this whole thing because that could have been an incredible match to end the night. You know, both these guys are such talented workers. <sighs> I just don't get why you, these guys, even if they're not top tier guys, why you don't give them the opportunity because they could have went out there and had, you know, one of the best matches of the week. We could have been talking about this one right there with Ali and Buddy Murphy, mm-hmm. but they just didn't get the time. So, um, you know, here, here's hoping that, that Gable and, and Andrade do get more time because both these guys are incredible workers too. But yeah, it just kind of fell flat and they definitely missed out on something that could have could have been big yeah yeah i i agree 100 percent. and you know hopefully they like i said hopefully they'll make it up next week with gable andrade i think they will because 
that's a big match. And both those guys, I don't remember them ever working against each other. So it's going to be a lot of fun, dude. Well, with that being said, man, we have the semifinals for the King of the Ring. We have Elias versus Ali, uh, Chad Gable versus Andrade. And then on the Raw side, we got Joe and Ricochet versus Alexander and Corbin. Uh, we both have Ricochet and Corbin moving on next week. Um, and then uh, I personally have Ali and Andrade moving on uh, for the SmackDown side. Uh, what about you? How, how you got the, the, the quarterfinal matches? Exactly the same as you. And then, of course, I've got Ricochet and Ali in the finals after that. So, um, But, yeah, I, I completely agree. I definitely think it's going to be those four in the semis and then God hoping it's Ricochet and Ali in the finals. <laughs> um, I have mine a little bit different. Um, I actually have Ricochet and Andrade in the finals because I've, I've had Andrade as my pick for – for a while now. So, uh, I know, I know, <laughs> but, uh, either way, man, Rick, Ricochet and Andrade, Ricochet and Eli- or Elias, Ugh. Ricochet and Ali, uh, man, I, I'm perfectly cool with either one of those matches, man. Both of those will be a lot of fun. Uh, so the semis will be, I think I heard this are the quarterfinals will be next week. And I guess they're going to take a week off because the semi, no, 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 it works. It works out. It works out. Next week will be the quarterfinals. The week after is the go-home show, which is at Madison Square Garden. That's going to be the semifinals for for both shows. And then the King of the Ring will be at Clash of Champions. So, so yeah, it works out. Works out perfectly. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. This King of the Ring has been really good, dude. And we've it's been a while since they had it. And the last couple have been kind of meh, where we've been like, eh, okay, cool. This one's been good, dude, and I'm, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to, to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, after that, we got our main event segment. So we have Roman Reigns coming to the ring. Um, you know, he, we, we've all been wanting some answers. We want to know what's going on. You know, the thing we got last week with the, the Rowan lookalike, didn't really talk about it. You know, nobody really said anything. We don't know what was going on. Um. And then but Roman started trying to talk and Brian kind of like immediately cut him off. And Brian said he wants, he wants a, an apology. All he has to say is he's sorry. Um, you know, Reigns asked the fans if he should apologize. Um, but Reigns said before he apologizes, he wants to check out a video that, that he has. And he said that Brian and Rowan should check it out too. So we saw a video from a couple of weeks ago when the, uh, the equipment fell on Roman in the backstage area. Clearly, uh, Eric Rowan in a, in a hoodie walking away. It was clear as day that it was him. I don't know if he was pushing the crate or not. I, I couldn't tell exactly if it showed that, but you could tell it was Eric Rowan. Um, and then Brian got pissed off, and Brian kept slapping Rowan in the face, uh, you know, calling him a liar and, um, you know, just hitting him over and over and over again. So then Brian got a mic and walked out, and he, he was, as he's walking, he's telling Rowan, hey, you know, I didn't. I didn't know about this. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like liars. It wasn't me. I had nothing to do with it. And as he gets in the ring, Reigns lays him out of the spear. Reigns wasn't having it. He didn't care about any bullshit that Daniel Bryan had to say. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain. And it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. 
Get back to your life with CBD Medic. Available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about gig-speed internet or other popular plans. Now with even more speed. Enjoy faster downloads and a better streaming experience today. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store for a great offer. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. So, um, you know, it was it was a continuation for the segment. Um, we got a little bit of answers. Uh, obviously, Rowan was there. Rowan had something to do with it. Uh, but now the big question is, does Daniel Bryan have anything to do with it? And, you know, or if he does, what involvement does he have? Um, You know, it's they've been putting a lot of time into this. Even before SummerSlam, they had started they had started this uh, this program and they've been man, it's been a slow build, like one little bitty baby steps at a time kind of showing us showing us different things. Um, But I feel like by Clash of Champions, we kind of got to get there, right? Like we got to get the big answer. Okay, what? Does Brian have something to do with it? You know, and it's it's getting close. We got two episodes left, so I think by next week or maybe even the go home show, we're gonna we're gonna know exactly what kind of role Daniel Bryan plays in all this. Um, with that said, I thought the segment was fine. Um, you know, everybody played their roles pretty well. I am curious where this goes with Brian and, and Rowan going forward. Because Brian, because Brian slapped the shit out of Rowan like multiple times, just over and over and over again. Um, but um, you know, it was fine. It was fine for the segment. Um, I guess that's really about all I got with it. I don't really know what else to say. It was just kind of what it was. We got more questions to have answered. Hopefully, we'll have them next week. So, what'd you think, man? Uh, I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, for me personally, when they showed the video. You could tell it was Rowan, but he looks so awkward. Like he started walking, then he turned a different way, then he turned back the other way, and there's all these people around. How did nobody see him standing there? Right. Like I, I get he's a giant dude in a black hoodie. How can you <laughs> not see that there? I understand that you're focusing on Roman Reigns, who's got this thing pinned on top of him, but yet he was able to slide out from under it. It was just really awkward how they had Rowan act in that. I do think that. Daniel Bryan slapping the shit out of Rowan multiple times and Rowan just walking away proves that Bryan is involved Mm -hmm. just for the simple fact that Bryan's kind of been the leader in this thing. But if Rowan went off on his own and they were about to split, I think Rowan would have decked him. If Rowan just taking the slaps and walking off, Mm -hmm. it's, well, we got to play it off so he really thinks that I didn't have anything to do with it. Right. But then Bryan walks out there, gets speared to end the show, and that was great. But... Besides that, the whole segment was just kind of odd, you know. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't like how they had Rowan placed. There was a curtain right there that he could have slipped behind, and it would have made it more believable that nobody out of all these people who were rushing over there didn't see him. And he right. even started to go behind the curtain and then stopped and then walked right by everybody. Yeah, it was like he was thinking, "Oh, I got to make sure the camera gets me," you know, before I go back there. Exactly. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very weird. Um, I, I definitely see that. Um, you know, I guess I guess they had to make it obvious enough that it was Rowan because if it was just a glance by, they could have been like, oh, well, 
it was the guy we brought last week. You know, it wasn't Rowan. So, yeah, I, I do see I do see how you feel was a little underwhelming. Um, but, you know, definitely continuation, and we'll have to see where they go next week with it. Yeah, I mean, it still got my attention, and I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, where they're going to go with this. It's still – my interest is still peaked, but that was just kind of awkward, and I'm like, yeah, that's too obvious Yeah, that – the camera was trying to get him on there. That way they had this video footage as proof. Yeah. You know, but all in all, it was a good show. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was some good stuff on the show. Um, you know, I think, I still think the King of the Rings been kind of the highlight lately. Um, obviously the highlight of the show was Buddy Murphy and Ali. Oh they yeah. Definitely stood out. That match was absolutely incredible. Like we said earlier, if you guys haven't seen this match, go back and watch it. At least watch the last minute of it to see this incredible DDT and the 450 and everything. It was it was a piece of art, man. It was it was really good. Oh yeah. All right, guys. So uh, now that we got SmackDown and Raw out of the way, we're going to go into something I'm pretty excited about. I have not I have not had the opportunity to introduce this guy before because uh, you know normally Rad Rob is the one that's steering the ship, and uh, he's the one that gets to introduce uh, this gentleman every single week. But I am honored and privileged to present to you guys this week's edition of Polyester the Evil Taylor's Imbecile of the Week. Good evening to each and every... No, no, no. Uh, th- there will be no Imbecile of the Week this week. Uh, I refuse to work because Imbecile Rob is not working. Uh, if Imbecile Rob decides he wants to take a day off, well, damn it, I'm taking a day off too. There won't be an imbecile of the week this week. As a matter of fact, there won't be another imbecile of the week until Rob decides he wants to show up and do his damn job. So, uh, Polyester has suspended the imbecile of the week until imbecile Rob decides he wants to come back and go to work. Uh, this is this is preposterous. If he's not working, well, neither am I. Uh, that being said, hey, uh, give me a follow on Twitter at the poly underscore. Esther on Twitter. That's at the Polly underscore Esther on Twitter. And uh, tune in again next week. Uh, I, I can't promise you that you might be the episode of the week because it all hinges on whether or not Rob decides to most actually work. So uh, until Rob decides he wants to work, the episode of the week segment has been canceled by Polly Esther. All right, well, I guess we're not going to present an imbecile of the week this week. Uh, Polly pulled a swerve on us. Uh, he said that if Rob's not going to work this week, then he's not going to work this week. That, that's typical Polly being lazy. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you know, we, we, pay, we pay Polly pretty good money to do this show. And, you know, normally he, you know, he, does, he presents really good um, imbeciles for us and, and brings us a good segment. I don't know. I might have to uh, might have to have a little talk with Polly and find out mm-hmm. if we can let this. Uh, I guess talk to Rob, not to Polly. Talk to Rob and see if we can let this pass because uh, you know I guess we can considering he did give us something. You know, it's not like he just said no. I'm not sending you guys anything. He uh, he did a segment. It's a gray area. I, I don't know. I'm gonna officially dub. Polly is the imbecile of the week. Oh, for taking the week off. Oh, just because Rob did. Oh, okay, okay. 
I'm not getting involved in that. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you and Polly handle that one. Uh, but uh, Mr. Uh, Evil Taylor, you have been named the imbecile of the week by our guest host Blake Shake and Bake Sigler. So you can follow him at effing for real. <laughs> so uh, there you go, guys. Wow, Blake uh, Blake Sigler stepping up and throwing uh, throwing the imbecile of the week back at Polly for Polly not making a decision this week. All right. Well, I don't even know how to transition out of that because <laughs> I was not ready for that. Um, all right, guys. Well, I guess uh, the next thing we're going to get into is this week's edition of the Turtle Tribune. All right. So a couple things I got on the docket this week. Uh uh, so we're talking about Sasha Banks earlier, and there's an update on kind of everything going on backstage with her. Uh, how, you know, since she's been back and, and everything like that, and who's been kind of in charge of, of writing her promos and kind of how her character's been going and stuff like that. Um, this report says it looks like Sasha Banks will be pushed as one of the top female superstars in WWE. And the work shoot promo that kicked off Monday Night Raw is an indication that they are behind her. Uh, Wade Keller from PW Torch said... I've heard since the show aired that Paul Heyman wrote this promo and has been very involved in Sasha's presentation. Uh, Instead of running away from the story about her walking out at WrestleMania 35, the decision was made to embrace what happened and use it in her storyline while changing some things in order to make her out to be a heel. I think this is perfect. This is something we kind of touched on when we first started the show this week that, um, you know, I, I was hoping they would go this direction. Because, you know, the, the, the internet wrestling community is so big now. Everybody has a Twitter. Everybody has social media. Excuse me. Everybody kind of knows what's going on, what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, when the news got out about everything going on around WrestleMania and Sasha taking her ball and going home and stuff like that, you know, everybody kind of made their own opinion about Sasha Banks. The best thing they could do for her coming back into this role is to embrace everything that happened around WrestleMania time. And, you know, I'm very, 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 very happy they did that because... You know, it's just going to add on to her character. Everybody, like I said, ha- everybody has social media now, so everybody knows what happened. The news is out there, so you might as well embrace it. You might as well have it be part of the character, and that's exactly the direction they went. I think it was absolutely the best decision for them to do. Yeah, I agree, and it shows the absolute brilliance of Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. If he is the one that is is behind all of this, that I mean, it just shows how good he is to take the truth and use it to make her a heel is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree hundred percent. And you know, this is why Sasha has been the hottest thing for the last three weeks. And she could have easily been somebody that Vince just threw out there to, to job every week because of what she did, but they used it to make this, this new boss character and to make her the baddest bitch on, you know, on the show. So I think it's great, and I love what they're doing, and I'm glad that Paul Heyman is behind it because he's the perfect person to put behind Sasha Banks right now. All right, so during a press conference with CBD Medic on Tuesday, former New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski talked about his dream of one day wrestling. He said, with wrestling, I don't feel like I would be a full-time wrestler. There, There is one thing I'm down for. That's to do one crazy match. He would continue by noting that he would like to train and potentially do a Royal Rumble match. You know, Rob's going to kick my ass for doing this one this week because, you know, he is such a big Patriots fan. 
Um, but you know, this interview came out a couple days ago and, uh, you know, we've seen Gronk in a WWE ring before cause we saw him in the Andre battle Royal a couple years ago and he, uh, helped Mojo Raleigh win it. Um, you know, there's been rumblings about Gronk getting into professional wrestling even before he retired from the NFL, that he would be a perfect fit. He's got the charisma. He's a big dude that he would be perfect in there. And, you know, it sounds like something that, you know, obviously from what he said, he doesn't want to be a full-time wrestler, but it, it is something that he would like to do is to be in there and at least have some kind of match of some sort. So uh, what do you think about Gronk potentially stepping foot in some kind of match for the WWE? I like it. I mean, especially if they're going to do something like that with a Royal Rumble. I mean, that's a big name spectacle. I mean, you know, the past few years they've had so-called celebrities in this match. Last year, you know, a couple guys from SNL that didn't really know what they were doing. Like, he would be legit in the ring, and you could actually give him, like, a couple of prominent eliminations. You know, maybe maybe somebody like a Kane that came back that's a little older and passes prime and you know, Gronk eliminates Kane. I mean, that would be a big deal. And, you know, maybe if he has a good showing in the Royal Rumble and, you know, obviously not win it, but, you know, if he has a good showing, maybe he gets a little bit of that itch and we get to see him a little bit more as kind of an attraction, mm-hmm. you know, at, at a couple of pay-per-views a year for a few years. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, he the, the main thing about Gronk is he is a wrestling fan. So it's not like he'd be coming here for a payday. Nothing like that. I mean, he is a legit fan. So he would work his ass off to learn the ropes, to learn the psychology, and to make sure he doesn't make a fool out of himself or anybody else in the ring. And he's a freak athlete. You know, so obviously he, he's going to catch on to this like it's nothing. You know, when you see the freak athletes in there, that's just kind of what they do. So... Um, I, I like the potential with this, and I think Gronk could have a really good showing, uh, whether it be in the Rumble or in a singles match, tag match, whatever. I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we see it sooner than later. Yeah, and maybe we see something like, you know, um, maybe Mojo Rawley's in there, and, you know, Mojo, we haven't seen him a lot lately, but he's kind of had this weird, dark character going on, and mm-hmm. maybe Gronk doesn't like it, and they kind of team up for a minute because they're friends, and then all of a sudden Gronk eliminates Mojo, you know, it'd be kind of a shock and, yeah. you know, get, get a little bit of shock factor in the match. I think it'd be really good. I think so, too. I like that. Um, you know, I, I'd actually go on a limb to say I – th- I actually, I don't think this is going on a limb. I think this is pretty obvious. Gronk is a bigger name and bigger star than, than Mojo Raleigh is. Oh, yeah. Because Gronk is much more well-known. So it, it But it would be a shock if Gronk goes into Mojo's territory – and eliminates him from like a Royal Rumble, something like that. So I like that. I think that's, I think it's a good idea too. So uh, WWE Hall of Famer Stone Cold Steve Austin has been announced for the September 9th Raw from Madison Square Garden. Uh, September 9th is the go-home show, uh, the go-home Raw for Clash of Champions. So it's the one that's a week from this coming Monday. Uh, yeah, this is an MSG show. They're doing MSG on on Raw and SmackDown both. Um and Rob and I kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but I wanted to bring it up again with you this week. Uh, anytime Austin's on a show, it's a big deal. And, you know, the reunion, he was there. He closed the show. But it was a little different because all the legends were there. You know, it wasn't just Steve Austin. So I think this is a little different. It's got kind of a different feel to it because it is a spotlight just on Steve alone. But I also feel like this is a ticket sale tactic as well. Because 
it is very, very expensive to run an event at Madison Square Garden. And I've even heard WWE hire or WWE officials say in the past that they actually lose money when they do Raw and SmackDown from MSG. So, you know, they're going to want to sell out to get as close to breaking even as possible. Um, so I think bringing in Stone Cold is a good idea. Um, you know, obviously he's going he's gonna to do something, though. He's not just going to come out there and well, I guess he could come out there and have a couple beers and just kind of salute everybody. But with it being that close to Raw Reunion and the fact he's going to be at the SmackDown show on Fox a couple weeks after that, I feel like they're going to do something with him this week or this week on um, the 9th of September. Uh, what do you think about Stone Cold coming to MSG and what do you think they might might use him for? Um, Honestly, I have no clue. I love the fact that he's going to be there. I don't know, maybe you have him like jump off the top rope and catch a pass from Baker Mayfield or something, you know? <laughs> or since they're going to be in, in Las Vegas, you know, the Raiders are moving to Vegas, so maybe he catches a pass from Derek Carr, you know, or something. I don't know. Honestly, I'm just, you know, throwing wild guesses out there, but I honestly have no clue what they're going to what they're going to use him for, but whatever it is, I definitely agree it's a it's a ticket sale tactic and it's going to work. I mean, you get arguably one of the biggest names to ever compete inside the squared circle being there, that's that's going to draw fans to that arena. So yeah. I love it, and I love that they're getting him involved again. You know, even even if he can't, you know, actually perform anymore, just a legend of his caliber being on the show is huge. Right. What do you think about The Fiend attacking him? Do you think, uh, you think Steve would be down for that? Do you think maybe they've done that a little too much or, you know – do you think it would work? Um, what, do you, what do you think about potentially The Fiend laying out Steve Austin? So with that, I think Steve would do it. But I don't think it would be kind of like how it was with Mick Foley where the lights go off, come back on, and he's got him there. I think Austin, being the badass that he is, would have to fight. Maybe he hits The Fiend with a stunner and thinks he's down and turns around, and all of a sudden The Fiend kind of not necessarily doing the Undertaker sit-up but kind of just, you know, rolls over into that crab call crawl uh, situation and then stands up and Steve turns back around and he hits him with the mandible claw then. You know, right. something you would have to at least make Stone Cold look like a badass and not just some old, washed-up, you know, mm-hmm. legend that's there. You would actually have to make him look like the badass that he was back in the day. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think you put it perfectly. And, you know, Austin can still throw some punches. Of course, the last time he threw a punch, he, he you know, tore George Hader cuff. So might not be a good idea for him to throw any punches. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. If they are going to do something like that, then Austin has got to have a good showing. Um, I like your idea about him hitting the stunner. And then, like, he's celebrating. And then Bray, like, is on his back. All of a sudden, he just jumps up into that crab walk-looking thing and just kind of, like, throws Austin. Austin, you see him mouth like, what the fuck? You know, something like that. You know, and... I think it'd be perfect. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of throw something out there. I don't know what they're going to do with Steve, but um, yeah, well, we'll see. I, I know on, on Austin's new show, uh, one of the ones he did recently, he was actually in the ring taking some bumps, giving some stunners, so mm-hmm. he, he can still do it. So oh, yeah. It would, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do, but I, I do think – the fiend idea would work as long as you make him look like a badass. Right. I just feel like with the, with Austin being there, Madison Square Garden, Monday Night Raw, something's excuse me, something's got to happen. 
This the, the planets are aligning too much for something not to happen. Something's got to be there. So speaking of the fiend, uh, the WWE put up a question the other day. I actually brought this up to you the other day, but I wanted to bring it up again on the show. The WWE put up a question the other day asking, "Quote: Who could the fiend target next?" Though I, um, they didn't list any names or anything, but it was just a question that was put up there. Well, one person responded to it, and that person was Bray Wyatt. And Bray Wyatt responded with one word. He said, sting. Ah, oh, I got goosebumps, <laughs> man. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that Sting and Undertaker are my two favorites of all time. Like, them two together would be a dream match for me. So, getting Sting back after the injury, especially against this abomination of the fiend i'm so down oh my (laughs) god like i have no words i'm speechless at this and i have goosebumps it's i man well there's smoke there's fire right i mean there has to be why would wwe put that out there why would bray wyatt respond to it knowing how social media is nowadays i mean there's got to be something to this. I, well, whether it's just some kind of interaction or, I mean, it doesn't have to be a match. Just the fact that Bray Wyatt is putting in everybody's mind that he's targeting Sting of all people. Just the fact, thinking that that could happen. Oh my God. Like that is, that's, that is incredible. Yes. I know Sting is 60. I understand he he probably can't go very well in the ring. I understand. But you don't have to. You know, just the, the spectacle of Sting and Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, just, oh my God. <laughs> it's, a, it's incredible, dude. It's so cool, man. Um, so I, I, hope, I, I hope this isn't false hope. I hope there is something to this. I know you do too being a Bray Wyatt fan, being a Sting fan, everything. Um, I will be disappointed if this is a, just to kind of a, a throw it out there and see what happens. And they don't follow it up with anything. So, uh, but you know, I just want to bring that up because it is interesting. And for them to put that on social media, there could be something to it. Yeah. If, if there's not like, I might go into a depression and like stay in my bed for a week <laughs> like my hopes are so high now it's not even funny so this would be a huge letdown if they don't do something with this right yeah i i totally agree bro so we'll see what happens we'll see if they do anything between now now and later on but you know the next saudi arabia show is coming up and the saudis like to have these special attraction matches and they like to bring legends in so if Sting gets the clearing, if he gets the clearance, you know, Undertaker's there, Bray Wyatt's there. Both those matches that they want, if, if they were able to do them, man, they're huge matches. So we'll see. We'll see where they go. But uh, Sting's name is being floated around right now. It's been a while since that happened. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. So I got two more things on the docket here. I'm actually going to read them back to back because both of them have to do with something that. Uh, Mr. John Wanglin is going to talk about in his reality check segment. So I'm going to read both of the news articles and then I'm going to have John do his segment. And then you and I will jump in and give our opinions on everything. Sounds good. So, 
So the first thing I have is that the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California, is advertising that the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, has issued a challenge to Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman for a Hell in a Cell match. Presumably, this would be for the Universal Championship. The original advertisement states, Get ready, WWE fans. The Fiend Bray Wyatt challenges Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman to a Hell in a Cell match. And that was from the official Twitter page of the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. Um, the other the other news item is that John Moxley has been pulled from the all WWE or the AEW All Out event due to a staff infection in his elbow. Ray Phoenix of uh, the Lucha Brothers was also injured because he injured his leg over the weekend, but thankfully has been cleared to compete this week. So. Um, uh, our fearless leader, John Wangland from the Wrestling With Reality, has a couple of things to say about this. So before we give our opinion, here is John Wangland with his reality check for this week. But is this just too good to be true? My mind speaks from inside of you. Talk too much about this to be wrong, somebody help. And I'm trapped within my psyche now. I let it go, I let it out. And now it's hurting me, I throw what I know. This feels like hell now. Won't you take me down a peg or two? Everybody needs a few reality checks. Show me I am not what I believe. Everybody needs a few reality checks. What's going on, everybody? You got John Wangland, Johnny Podcast, and host of Wrestling with Reality, co-host of the newest show, Realist Guys in the Room with Dan Severn and Don Fry, and co-host of Vampiro's Rituals with the Lucha Libre legend himself, Mr. Vampiro. And I got your reality check for the week right here on the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast with my buddy, Jeff Johnson, Mr. Roman Turtles, and filling in for the Rad One, Mr. Rob Francois, the great host of effing for real along with Mr. Jeff Johnson, Mr. Blake Shake and Big Siegler. Well, I hear rumblings that they're looking to push the Fiend up already to be potential champion already. Well, I love the Fiend character. I think it could be one of the greatest things ever done over time. But right now, it's definitely not meant to be into the championship picture. WWE, your reality check is to slow your roll down right here. You got a hot thing. Take a lesson from WCW. They built Sting up as the crow for 18 months. Yes, I know the payoff wasn't great how they did it at the end in the match, but it was one of the most memorable angles of all time. I'm not saying you have to wait 18 months, but don't do it right now. Let this character go on a run. Let him build up. Let him destroy all the competition in his way, and don't make him the champion yet. There's lots of other people that can fit the role if you're looking to make a switch. But The Fiend is not right for it right now. Slow your roll, WWE. You have a hot act. You have the best thing that you got in years. But it's not ready yet to be the champion. It takes time. Take a lesson from history. Build it slow. That's a reality check for the WWE. Another reality check is AEW All Out is this weekend. I'm excited to watch the show, but it has been ravaged a little bit by injuries. We lost John Moxley to it. Ray Phoenix is potentially going out. Reality check is to AEW is I hope you make some of these guys exclusive and stop letting them go and work different indie shows when it comes out here. Yes, injuries can happen anywhere, but you can't let the inmates run the asylum. This is going to be the potential problem with AEW. You got Kenny Omega. 
Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, the guys in SCU. You got them all running the show up there and kind of telling the money mark Tony Khan what to do. Well, somebody's got to be the person to lay the law down a little bit and say enough is enough. Poor John Moxley's got an awful case of MRSA. Ray Phoenix injured his leg really bad. That's not good news for everybody. All all out has been ravaged a little bit. One of the main matches now is done because of whatever happened here. So could it have happened anywhere? Yeah, sure, it could have, but it happened working an indie show. So AEW, you might need to slow your roll just a little bit there and really start setting the law down a little bit. Stop letting the inmates run the asylum. It's not the way to do things. you got to have that figurehead there, and this is going to be the potential problem with AEW in the future because these guys are young. They're getting their first big shot here, and they're not ready for that executive level yet. So AEW, learn from history. Put some authority figures out there. Tony Khan, stop being a money mark. Don't let them ruin the great things that you're doing here. Lay the law down with these guys. Let them know who's boss, who's the head cheese over there. So I gave you two different reality checks for two different promotions this week. Well, what do we got going on? Check out Wrestling With Reality every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Sunday with great new shows. We are doing awesome things over there. People are loving what's going on. You need to check out the show if you haven't done so. It's Wrestling With Reality. And once again, it drops every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Sunday. And we got our two newest shows on the Reality Check Podcast Network to go along with all the other great shows. We got Vampiro's Rituals dropping every Wednesday night now. It is starring... The man himself, the Lucha Libre legend, the musician, the guy that knows a little bit about everything and has a million and one stories, Mr. Vampiro. And I am joining on that show. We have great reviews from the first episode already. And Dropping Thursday is the newest episode and the first debut episode of The Real Skies in the Room with Dan Severn. And myself, it is a great show. We are talking the early days of the UFC, the no-holds-barred fighting, and Dan drops a little stuff in here that you'll have never heard about why Hoist Gracie won that match. And does he really consider it a win for Hoist Gracie? you got to listen to it because you've never heard this before, and it's a great spin. It's a great show. It's the realest guys in the room, and they should be on every podcasting outlet by the time you're hearing this, guys. Thanks for listening. Check out the show and support the guys on FN For Real and the Red Turtles Wrestling Podcast, along with everybody else on the Reality Check Podcast Network. All right, so John made some really good made some really good points. Uh, we'll start with the thing with uh, with Bray Wyatt. So John's kind of in the majority here, where everybody, including John, thinks this is way too fast. Where you know the Fiend doesn't need the title. He's he's you know such an amazing attraction himself that, you know, he really doesn't need the title at this point. And I've been kind of back and forth on this since I heard about it. Uh, at first, my first thought was, eh, yeah, I, I think it is too fast that I would, I would like to wait until like after WrestleMania before putting Bray in that position, especially if, you know, these plans we talked about with doing the fiend versus the demon at the Royal rumble. And then potentially, the Fiend versus Undertaker at um, at WrestleMania. You know, that's all fantasy booking, but that's kind of where everybody's leaning towards that they want to see happen. Well, then now this report comes out that, you know, the the arena that's holding Hell in a Cell is saying that The Fiend wants Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman. You know, maybe it's not too soon. Maybe, maybe this is the time to do it. Um, you know, I haven't really decided one way or another but I am kind of 50-50 on it. Like I see both sides now. And um, because, 
you could put that title on on Bray now because he is the hottest thing probably in wrestling period right now. And you know, who's going to beat him? Who's going to beat him for the title? The demon comes back, the demon tries to beat him, can't do it. Seth Rollins, the, you know, the hero right now tries to do it, he can't do it. The monster Braun Strowman, he can't do it. Here comes the legend the Undertaker, he can't do it. Well, hell, <laughs> now you've made Bray Wyatt. Now he's this indestructible champion that's pretty much taken over the company because he is the man. So I, I, I so I see both of them. You strike while the, either strike while the iron's hot or slow play it. And if this is the direction they're going, they're striking while the iron's hot. So um, what's your opinion on this, man? This is, this is kind of a big story. Uh, do you think it's too soon? Do you think uh, that the fiend should win the title if this is the direction they're going? Uh, what's your opinion on this? Uh, well, my opinion, first of all, I love John, but I respectfully disagree with him. Okay. I I am a huge Bray Wyatt fan, so of course I want him to have the title. But they need to do something because I'm getting sick of it either being Brock or Seth as the champion. Like, I want somebody new. Right. And with as big and as over as The Fiend is right now, why not? Why not put it on him and have him just completely destroy everybody? Now, my dream matchup would be The Fiend versus The Demon at WrestleMania for the title because I think The Demon is the only one that stands a shred of a chance against The Fiend. Mm-hmm. And if you if you bring Finn back and you push him as this big star and you still let it be known that he has not forgotten what Bray did to him, at SummerSlam, and you build that up as Finn being unbeaten, even have him go in a couple of matches before Mania as the Demon and win convincingly against some big names Mm -hmm. and make the Demon look unstoppable as well, Yeah. then you push that right there and you're thinking, oh my God, we don't know who's going to win this match. The Fiend beat the man Finn Balor, but the Demon has been so unstoppable, who's going to win this match? And that is a massive, massive main event for WrestleMania next year, it would be incredible. So I think they should go ahead and do this, give Bray a long run from now up until Mania, and then decide then, do we want him to drop the title to the Demon? Or does he go ahead and keep his reign going and beat the unbeatable Demon? Yeah, I I, I like that a lot. And um, I would... You know, we talked about how Finn Balor's only going to take a couple months off, but I would like Finn to take off until January. Have him take off to the Rumble, and, you know, that's when you have him make his return. Have him be the demon inside the Rumble match itself. And then that's where you have Finn make his return, win the match, the, the you know, the Royal Rumble. Then now you've got Finn Balor versus the demon already booked. Or Finn Balor's name, uh, the demon versus the fiend booked for WrestleMania because Balor wins the Rumble. That's perfect. I, I think so too. And I, oh man, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Like I said, I was, I'm still a little back and forth on it, uh, whether it's too soon or not, but I'm also okay with either one of them too. So whatever did they, whatever they decide to do, man, I'm totally on board. Obviously WWE's going to want it. They're, they're wanting to counteract AEW as much as possible. Also, why not put the title on the most over thing in wrestling right now? 
to, to, to attract all the viewers. That's a good way to do it. So I, uh, I think, I think I am on board with this too. So I'm looking forward to it, man. We'll see. We'll see once Hell in a Cell gets closer. Uh, we still have about six weeks away, I think, somewhere around there, maybe seven weeks. I think it's six weeks, six weeks away. So we'll see when it gets here. Uh, so the other thing that John talked about was um, John Moxley being pulled from All Out due to the staff affection in his elbow and the fact about Ray Phoenix getting injured, injuring his leg over the weekend. Uh, John had said that uh, he understands why the – why AEW allows their superstars to go out and wrestle on other organizations, stuff like that. But it's very, very risky because something like this can happen where they can go somewhere and risk getting hurt. And especially being like this close to all out and stuff like that, you know, with Ray, Ray Phoenix having the injury, John Moxley has been wrestling all over Japan for the last couple of months and everything. So um, now this has happened and, because of Moxley's injury, arguably the biggest match in All Out is now now gone, because it's supposed to be Moxley and Omega. So um, you know we did get the replacement of Pac, which is great because Pac and Omega is going to be an incredible match. But one of the biggest draws of that card was John Moxley and, and Kenny Omega, which is now not happening. So um, you know I I I think I'm gonna, I think I do agree with John on this one. I think that you know. A lot of people hate on WWE because Vincent Mann's done this for years, ever since I can remember. He doesn't let anybody wrestle outside WWE unless it is like a special occasion. And there's a reason for that because he has them on TV every week and he doesn't want them going out somewhere else and getting hurt because then he's liable for them. They're under contract. So even if they get hurt somewhere else, he has to pay these guys. So, you know, if they're going to get hurt, he wants them to get hurt in a WWE ring performing for him. And I think AEW needs to consider the same thing because if they're going to be on TV every week, yes, I know, I understand they're going to be doing a, an easier schedule because they're not going to be doing house shows as much. But you got to protect your assets. You got to, especially your big name guys. John Moxley is arguably the biggest name in AEW right now, and now your biggest show you're ever going to do coming up uh, this weekend. John Moxley's not a part of it, and that's not good. That is not good at all. So. Um, I think I, I do think I agree with John on this one, and I, I think AEW should really consider not letting the at least the upper talent, the ones that are the high paid talent, go out and be wrestling for other organizations while they're under a TV contract with AEW. Yeah, I, I kind of agree to that to a point. I mean, yeah, it sucks. Moxley's not going to be there, but you know, Cody, the Young Bucks, all them, they made this company as independent wrestlers going to different shows and you know on being the elite the the young bucks pretty much said you know in one of their episodes they did an uh an indie booking not too long ago and they're like this is probably the last indie booking we're going to do and i get why they're doing it i do think once they get on tv the indie shows will be far and in between because mm-hmm. obviously I don't think they're going to tell the Lucha Bros that, you know, even though it's not an independent organization, that they can't go compete in AAA. That's right, not going to happen. But AAA is different because AAA just is – or AAA. AAA is partnered with AEW. Right. So I, so I think that's different. That's True. different than That's different than John Moxley going and wrestling in Japan. True. But I do think once they get on TV, I think that will calm down. I don't think they will be going. They might every once in a while, but for the most part, I don't think they're going to be doing anything but AEW. And I don't think that it's going to be 
because Cody and the Young Bucks and the cons go, well, you can't do it. I think the wrestlers are just going to know we've got a good thing going here. We don't want to jeopardize it. And I think they're going to be loyal to AEW and maybe every once in a while take an indie show mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe like a charity cause or something like that, you know? Yeah. But for the most part, I think I think the indie shows are going to die down once they, they start, you know, showing up on TNT. And then, like I said, that the, the Young Bucks saying on Being the Elite a couple of weeks ago when they did an indie show that that was going to be their last indie show kind of tells me that they aren't going to do indie shows anymore. Right. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be that way too. I hope it is. Um, you know, I don't think this would be as big of an issue if it was just Moxley that got hurt because it could be like, well, shit happens. You know, unfortunately, unfortunate situation, it happened. But the fact that Phoenix got hurt too and had the scare, then it's like, man, we almost missed out on two big matches at All Out because we almost lost the ladder match too. So... Like that's that's where you start thinking. Okay, maybe you gotta at least come up with a system of some sort of of protecting your talent when it comes to doing outside outside projects. So uh, I figured, you know, I do think they're gonna do something eventually. They're gonna figure it out. But I, I'm with you too. I think a lot of the wrestlers are gonna they're gonna understand the hand that feeds them, and that's gonna be AEW because they're the ones that are bringing the big money. Uh, I mean, AAA. I'm sure AAA's got good money. But I, I but you know, and I, I might be wrong about this, but I don't think they're paying the Lucha Bros. But AEW is probably paying them. Uh-huh. I'm sure AEW is paying them a lot more. And the fact that AEW has a television deal inside of America on a major network, they're getting paid, dude. Like I'm, I'm telling you, they are getting paid. So um, I'd be surprised if we do see the Lucha Bros, John Moxley, other guys like this, going and, and doing shows everywhere else. I think with Moxley, I think this was him kind of like sowing his wild oats a little bit where he was locked down in WWE for so long, and the fact that he had to wait for, for All Out to really do anything. I know he had the one match with Janela at Fighter Fest, but that's all he's done since he left WWE. He's had one appearance at the end of Double or Nothing, and then the match with Janela. That's it. So like he's like, I got to wrestle. Like This is the first time I've been free to wrestle. I want to go wrestle. So he went to Japan to wrestle. So I do think Moxley is a... Is a different situation than everybody else. I think it's a special situation, but once TNT gets here, I think Moxley's going to be locked down. I think, I don't think he'll be going anywhere else besides AEW. I don't think so either. And I don't, and I don't think it's going to be mandatory. I just think that they're all professionals and they understand. And I think they're going to do it out of respect for the AEW brand. And, you know, that way it's not, feeling like a prison like you were in WWE. You know what I mean? I think it's just going to yeah. be a respect factor. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree 100%, bro. So um, with that being said, man, I guess that's a good transition for us here. Let's, um, since we're talking about John Moxley and, a- and AEW and All Out, let's go ahead and do an All Out preview, man. Uh, we got All Out coming up uh, Saturday night, uh, August 31st, uh, live from the Sears Center in Chicago, Illinois. This is a uh, this is a huge show. This is the uh, the one year pretty much anniversary of All In, which is the biggest indie show in the history of America, probably in the history of the world, in my opinion. Um, but now it is officially is officially under the AEW banner, and um, this is a big one, man. Yes, we did lose a big match, but there was a great replacement, 
uh, with Pac coming in to replace John Moxley against uh, against Kenny Omega. So um, I'm looking forward to this man. I think this is going to be an absolute awesome card. I think uh, from top to bottom, everybody's going to be bringing their A game. They want to have the best showing they can have with um, the move to TNT coming soon. I do. This is going to be great. I'm as a fan of AEW. I'm so looking forward to this. Even for the few people out there that are not big AEW fans, this is going to be a, just a great wrestling show, guys. This is going to be one that you can sit down. It's going to be very, very newsworthy. There's going to be a lot of things to come out of it. There's going to be surprises. Uh, every time there's been a big wrestling show for AEW, there's been surprises. With um, with the move to TNT coming up, this is going to be no exception, guys. There's going to be some big stuff coming up. Um, so with that being said, man, let's, let's start from the bottom. Uh, they haven't said exactly what's going to be on the pre-show yet, except for the uh, Casino Women's Battle Royale which is going to be kind of the same as the one for Double or Nothing. The winner will receive a match for the inaugural AEW Women's World Championship that will be on the October AEW on TNT broadcast. Uh, so I guess we'll start with this one. 21 Women Casino Battle Royale. Uh, the names announced so far are Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Allie, Brandy Rhodes, Teal Piper, which is the daughter of Rowdy Roddy Piper, Eva Elise, Jazz, Big Swole, Sadie Gibbs, and Awesome Kong with 11 other opponents to be announced. So, um, you know, so we know about half the card. And the way this match works, if you guys didn't see it a double or nothing, is that four women will start. And then every five minutes, I think it's five minutes, four other women will come out. And then uh, after 20 women are out, one person has the wild card. They'll be the 21st person. Uh, we saw this at double or nothing, that uh, Adam Hangman Page was number 21. He came out and won the thing. And he got the uh, the match with Chris Jericho for the uh, the title at this show. So uh, this is a big one, man. Uh, you know the we've talked about the women's division a little bit that it it has been down. We've had some things happen that you know that hasn't looked good. The Britt Baker concussion wasn't good. Uh, whatever's been going on with Allie lately, I don't know what's going on with her. People have been kind of wondering. She is advertised for this, so so we'll see we'll see what they're going to do. Um, you know, with 11 people to be announced, that's a lot. That's a lot of people to not know who's going to be in this. So I feel like there's going to be at least one big name that we have we don't know about yet. Um, my guess is Tessa Blanchard. I don't know that for a fact, but that's just the name I'm kind of throwing out there. I could see a former WWE legend, possibly. Uh, maybe somebody we saw recently at the reunion, something like that. I don't know. Um, but... Just going off the people that we know, I like Awesome Kong. I think Awesome Kong has a chance to win this. I think maybe she's too obvious of a choice. Um, but I, she's the first one that sticks out to me. Uh, I think Brandy has a chance. I hope it's not Brandy because that's going to kind of look bad. And I think Britt Baker has a chance. But um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going with Awesome Kong here. I think she's going to get the win and get the first, the first spot for the AW Women's World Championship. I, I like that pick. Me personally, I've got to go with one of my favorite females in any company, and that's Ivelisse. I love Ivelisse so much, man. Man, she was so good in Lucha Underground. I was hoping she was either going to get to WWE or she was going to wind up in AEW, and I'm glad she's in AEW. I think, you know, hardcore fans, I think, will, will know who she is. 
And I think they're going to give her a big push. I could see her winning it. I could definitely see Tessa Blanchard being the uh, the joker in this one and coming out at 21. There's so many options. And like you said, with 11 people left to be named, there's no telling who it could be. I wouldn't mind seeing like uh, maybe uh, Caitlin from mm-hmm. from WWE. You know, yep. she she showed up recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in the May Young Classic. I'd love to see her her get in there if she's wanting to get back into wrestling. You know, there there's so many possibilities. We're just gonna have to wait and see. I cannot wait for this match, and I am gonna be pulling for Eva the entire time. Yeah, this is gonna be fun, man. And you know, this is probably we're gonna get the first of the surprises. And um, I don't know who the surprises are. I wish it did. Um, you know, another name that sticks out to me is um, oh, I just had her name and I lost it. She was a Lucha Underground as well, uh, Katrina. Uh, you know, Katrina was a great character in in uh, Lucha Underground, and she's a pretty decent wrestler too. So she's another person that I wouldn't mind potentially being in this matchup. I do want to see Aja Kong in it as well because I want to see Aja Kong mm. and Awesome Kong actually face yeah. off, especially they, after. Yeah, they teased know, it. So yeah, so I want to see that, and I think she will be in it because, you know, arguably she's you know one of the biggest legends in women's wrestling of all time. So I, I think that, I think she'll definitely be in it. All right. So after that, uh, we have in a six-man tag match: Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt against SoCal Uncensored. Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. SCU! <laughs> Man, I'm a big fan of all of these guys. Marco Stunt, I'm still kind of learning about. Uh, but Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, I'm a big fan of. SoCal and Sinter, I'm a big fan of. This is going to be a fun match altogether, dude. Um, you know, SoCal and Sinter has lost a lot since they joined AEW. Um, I think it's time they get a pretty pretty decent win on, on the main card, on, on the pay-per-view. So, um, just for that alone, I think it's time for them to get a little bit of momentum with uh, TNT coming up. So, I'm going to pick SCU to get the victory in this one. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, they've they've got a great dynamic with, you know, Scorpio Sky, the high flyer, Frankie Kazarian, kind of the brute enforcer, and then Christopher Daniels is just all around great at everything, you know. And, you know, the... I love the other team too. I love Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and all that. But yeah, it's SCU's time. They're going to make a run and they're definitely, I believe, getting the win in this one. Yeah, totally agree. Um, next up, we have Riho versus Hikaru, Hikaru Shida. Um, I know we've seen both of these ladies uh, perform in the past. In the past, I still don't know a whole lot about either one of them, unfortunately. I do know Riho a little bit. She was one of the ones that really stood out to us when we were at Double or Nothing. Um, she has a lot of charisma. So energetic. So energetic, I know. And she has an awesome entrance theme song. It really got got me hyped up. It was awesome. So, um, with that alone, I think I'm going to go with her. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I don't know a lot about, about Sheeta. Um, I know she's been a, a big time traveler. Uh, she's been in many, many organizations. She's a veteran. She's been around for 11 years. Um, but you know, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with the younger Riho on this one. Uh, I think she's somebody that they want to they want to push. She's only 22. Uh, I think she could be a, a future future cog in this women's division because she does have so much charisma. So uh, I'm going to go with Riho to get the victory on this one. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, when we were um, at Double or Nothing, I mean, 
she definitely stood out to me. She caught my attention. The theme song, the energy, you know, the charisma, like you talked about, she was just, man, so appealing, you know, like she grabbed your attention immediately and she didn't let go. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about her or her opponent. Um, but just from what I've seen of Riho, I'm definitely going with her. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Uh, the next match we have, which in my opinion has showstopper potential all over it. Show stealer potential. I should say private party versus on Helico and Jack Evans. Ooh, this match don't blink because <laughs> you might miss something. You know, that's a saying that we use in our MMA show a lot is don't blink because of a flash knockouts. These guys are going to move so fast and they're going to be doing so many moves that it's going to be nuts. So this match, this match could be awesome. I think this match will be awesome because all four of these guys are really good. Private party had a coming out party at, uh, I guess it was fighter fest, right? Where they had mm-hmm. their big match. Yeah. Um, that people really got behind these guys, man. And they are very, very exciting. On Helico and Jack Evans, you know, you and I talked about our love for Lucha Underground. These were two guys that really stood out there. And I say this every time, but these guys actually feuded for a long time in Lucha Underground. And then when they showed up at AEW, they're a tag team. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But um, I like all four of these guys. Um, you know, I part of me wants to go the same direction with Angelico and Evans as SoCal, that they've had TV time, but they haven't got that win yet that they've been kind of looking for. But I feel like they're going to, I feel like they like Private Party a lot. And I feel like they're really going to be pushing them because they are such an exciting tag team. And I think they have a chance to possibly be the tag team champions once the tag team tournament's over. So uh, I think it's going to be a big win for Private Party in this one. It's cutting into your exercise time, it's stabbing you in the back nine, and it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, ask about enhanced security for safer browsing and more. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store to switch today. Restrictions apply. As much as I hate to agree with you, I'm going to have to. I love Jack Evans and Helico. They are incredible. But like you said, Private Party... I mean, they put on a show at Fighter Fest, and they are young. They are somebody that they're that AEW is going to want to push, and I think this is the beginning of that push. And they they beat in Helico and and Evans. Yep, totally agree with you, bro. All right, so this next match is between Darby Allen, Joey Janela, and Jimmy Havoc. Good lord! And it's something called a Cracker Barrel Clash. I'm not sure exactly what that is. Um, I didn't watch that episode of Road to Double or Nothing. Or Road to, Double, Road to All Out. I wish I would have. I wish I had been a little more prepared for this one. But um, I'm trying to figure out what it is. But you know what? It's got these three crazy bastards in it. This is, this is going to be a war. 
all three of these guys are going to beat the hell out of each other. And, um, you know, God, you kind of, kind of just make a pick them on this one. I could see any of these three guys winning. I'm actually, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave with Jimmy Havoc on this one though, because they really haven't done a whole lot with Havoc. He's been in some pretty high profile matches, but he hasn't had that big showing yet from the Jimmy Havoc that we know, because Jimmy Havoc is an incredible wrestler. He's a super hardcore guy. Like he can kind of do everything. Um, and I think this might be a coming out party for Jimmy Havoc and getting a win over against somebody like Joey Janela, who is an established star and an up and comer who's, you know, very well known as well at Darby Allen. Um, I think this is a, this is a good spot for Jimmy Havoc to have a great showing. I like that pick, but I'm actually going with Darby Allen. Darby Allen impressed me so much in his match with Cody. He he's incredible. And, you know, they they do have a lot of older guys that are established in this company, but I think with this company being new, they are going to want to push the new guys. And I think this sets up for a perfect opportunity. We've seen Darby Allen before. He takes a beat and he keeps coming back. And I think he takes everything that you know that Janela and Havoc throw at him, and I think he gets the job done. And I think it's an incredible match. Yeah. And, you know, Darby Allen was my other pick. I was kind of back and forth on those two. Nothing against Janela, but Janela's already had that big spot. You know, he had that big match with uh, with Moxley. And Janela's a star. Like, people know Joey Janela. So, I think, yeah, this is going to be a big stage for either Darby Allen or Jimmy Havoc. So, uh, I think one of us is going to be right on that one. I, w- I would kind of be surprised if it was Joey Janela. But it wouldn't be a bad pick if it was Joey Janela either. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a crazy match though. That's gonna be kind of your if it is a hardcore match of some sort, that, that match is gonna be brutal. All right, so now we start getting to the matches that uh, got some pretty deep meaning to them. Uh, the first one we're gonna do is the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta versus the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. The winner of this match receives a first round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. So big implications in this match. Um, you know, I was surprised the Dark Order won the match at Fighter at uh, Fight for the Fallen. I actually thought it was going to be Luchasaurus and, and Jungle Boy, but the Dark Order was really impressive. I liked them a lot. Their finisher is sick. Like I'd never seen something like that before. The best friends, though, they've been probably the best book tag team next to the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. You know, in the tag team division so far, they obviously like the best friends a lot. And and they're both, you know, really, really good wrestlers. Um, Man, this one's tough because I could see this one going either way because, you know, when it comes to a first round buy, at least in in wrestling, you kind of want to give it to a heel just to kind of give them that advantage to to start the tournament. And, you know, you want to see the best friends who are the the baby faces kind of earn it a little more. So I'm actually, I'm going to go with the Dark Order to win this one to get the buy. And then the best friends will make the tournament, and then they'll get their their revenge for this match, maybe like in the final semifinals, something like that of the uh, the tag team tournament. So I'm gonna go with the Dark Order to win this one. Yeah, you make a lot of good points there, and I'm actually going with the Dark Order as well. I don't think that you can bring the Dark Order in after as strong as you book them in that that four way match, and then have them lose to the best friends, even as good as they are. So. And and like you said, in having a first round bye, they want the heels to have that. So 
I, I can't go against the Dark Order. They've been very, very impressive. And mm-hmm. like you said, they've got a sick finisher. Yeah. Yeah. I like this is gonna be a fun match. I like both these teams a lot. Um this is gonna be a good one. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. All right, next up we got possibly the most personal match on this card. Cody, don't call me Rhodes versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard in his corner. So this is a big match because these guys are both former friends. And obviously with what stemmed at Fighter Fest with Sean Spears hitting Cody in the head with an unprotected chair shot that busted Cody open and he just bled all over the mat. I mean, it was, it was a pretty bad situation. And, you know, you, you can read, you can read into the reports and stuff that it was a gimmick chair that it just kind of malfunctioned and Cody wasn't supposed to take it that way. And it was supposed to hit him the way it did, which caused it to be, to, for it to be busted open. But in my opinion, it made this even more personal, made it even a bigger match. So these guys are going back and forth. The addition of Tully Blanchard is incredible because of the history that Tully has with, um, with uh, Cody's father, Dusty. So like, this is, this is a big match. Um, Man, I, I've been really back and forth on this match too. Cody has, you know, he's he's put over a couple of people so far, and you know, of course he he did have, he did have the win against Dustin, but you know, he really hasn't booked himself like super strong like some people thought he would. I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be a match to establish maybe the biggest heel in the company, and I think they want that person to be Sean Spears. Because I think they have a lot of a lot of faith in this guy to be to be that guy, especially with Tully Blanchard in his corner. And Tully's supposed to be there for the long haul. So I think Sean Spears is gonna get the win here. And but I don't think it's the end of the feud. Uh I think this feud will roll over to TNT, but uh I think this is gonna be a big win for Sean Spears. I completely agree with you. I think Sean Spears gets the win. I do think Cody is dominant in this match. And something happens. I'm not sure what, but somehow the heel that Sean Spears is squeaks out the win and the feud continues. But Sean Spears definitely gets the win in this one. Now let me ask you this. Is AEW crazy enough to have Cody return the chair shot that Sean Spears gave him at Fighter Fest? I think so. I think they do do that. And I think Cody, knowing what happened to him, plays it a little safer than Spears did. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes off without a hitch this time. But I definitely see them doing that. And maybe maybe that causes the DQ for Spears to get the win, but Cody stands there standing tall as Spears is laid out in the middle of the ring and he gets DQ'd. Right. Like, something like that I could see happening. I, I do think that they are crazy enough to do that, though. Do you think they go the unprotected route again, or do you think they go at least safer and have Sean Spears put his hands up? Because the backlash was so bad last time because of the unprotected one. Do you think they put the hands up so the fans, the smart fans, at least be like, oh, well, he put his hands up this time, so he at least blocked some of it so it wasn't as bad, and maybe he won't get quite the negative backlash he got the first time? I think they go unprotected. Yeah, I think they want to show that you know, the first time was a fluke and that they're not afraid to do things like this that the WWE is. So I think they go out on a limb here. And like I said, Cody, knowing what happened last time and what happened to him is a little safer with it. But I do think they go unprotected just to kind of blow everybody's minds. I, it's risky. It, it's a risky move. It's very ballsy. But 
you know what? If anybody will do it, I think AEW will. So <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, man. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. That's going to be a fun match either way, though. That That's going to be a really good one. All right. So this next match is probably the match I'm looking forward to the most personally. This is one of the matches that was that was close to being knocked off the card, but thankfully it's not. It is between the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix versus the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. It is for the AAA World Tag Team Championships in a ladder match. This is, I don't even, I don't even know what to say, man. This match has potentially to have everything. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be scary. It's going to be hard-hitting. I, I don't know if I'm ready as a fan to watch this match yet because this match is going to be absolutely insane with these well, two teams. If you're not, I am. <laughs> I am ready for this match. This All right, well, since you're ready and I'm not, I'm going to let you go first on this one. All right, so this one I think is going to be insane. I am picking the Young Bucks to win this one just for the simple fact that on being the elite, they showed them getting ready for the ladder match, training with the ladder. Nick was using the ladder to clean out his gutters and throwing it down on Matt's head. You know, just funny stuff like that. But the simple fact that the Lucha Bros won last time and they made the challenge, I think the Young Bucks step up, answer that challenge, and they get the big win here and take the AAA titles back away from the Lucha Bros. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this one. I, I think I'm leaning toward the Young Bucks as well. This match is going to be so much fun, dude. Like It's, it's going to be absolutely insane, and I cannot wait. I said I'm not ready. I've been ready for this match since they announced it at, at Fight for the Fallen. This is the match I'm looking forward to. Man, you know, we saw in person what these two teams did to each other at at a, a Double or Nothing in a regular match. So now you put a ladder in there. This is going to be absolutely insane, dude. It's going to be so much fun as a viewer. I'd probably not fun for these guys because they're going to beat the holy hell out of each other. But, you know, with that said, I think I think the Young Bucks are going to stand tall. They're going to get the AAA tag team titles back. And I, I don't think this is the end of the feud of this one either. I think this is going to keep going maybe um, until we get closer to the tag team title, the end of the tag team title tournament. Then we'll see who the first AEW tag team champions are. But, um, yeah, just to make a pick. I'm going to pick the Young Bucks, but it would not surprise me if the Lucha Bros left as the champions either. This one's this one's a toss-up. Yeah, I honestly think, too, I think we see a spot that I've never personally seen before. But I think we see a double super kick to knock the Lucha Bros off the ladder. Like, I think the Young Bucks somehow have one foot planted, hang on, and kind of like not an actual super kick because that would be impossible. But they kind of swing their legs to the side and come up and around hit the Lucha Bros in the head, they fall off the ladders, Young Bucks win. You know, what you could do is put two ladders side by side and have the Young Bucks up on one side, the Lucha Bros on the other side, have the Lucha Bros cross legs like a super kick, like turn their backs to the ladder, throw a super kick where they kick the kick the Lucha Bro from the other ladder. And so like they're above they're above the ladders. And so they like the the Young Bucks will cross legs and super kick the other Lucha Bro that's up there, and it would knock both of them off, and they they and they still be able to keep their balance. Yeah, that would that would work better than what I said too. But I think that's the finish of the match. I think somehow the Young Bucks super kick the Lucha Bros off the ladders and win the titles. Yeah, 
I agree. That's that's going to be so much fun, dude. All right, next match is um, was originally supposed to be John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, but as we mentioned earlier, Moxley is not going to be able to be a part of this because of a staff infection in his elbow. But uh, they were able to get a pretty good replacement in Pac. Um, Pac was supposed to be with AEW earlier this year, but due to his commitments to Dragon Gate, and from what the reports were saying that Dragon Gate did not want him to lose while he was one of their main champions, he wasn't able to come be a part of AEW. But now he has dropped that title over there, and now he's able to come over here and be a part of AEW. Is this a one-off for him? I don't know. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully this is a permanent thing. But for for All Out, he is replacing John Moxley to face Kenny Omega. This match is going to be a technical masterpiece. Both these guys are freak athletes. They're amazing wrestlers. And, you know, I talked about Private Party and, Hol- and Helico and Jack Evans stealing the show. Well, in my opinion, the, the match they're going to have to steal it from is this one. As great as that tag team ladder match is going to be, we kind of know what to expect in that one. But when it comes to just a straight wrestling match, this is probably going to be the match of the night because Kenny Omega and Pac are going to absolutely bring it, especially since people have been getting kind of down on this match because Moxley's not in it now. So it's been a little bit more of an afterthought since that happened. And I think Pac and Omega want to both show that, that they are still two of the best in the world and they're going to put on a match that everybody's going to remember with that said, I think I think you know. In my opinion, this is a pretty easy match to call, and I think this is going to be a win for Kenny Omega, because if Pac is not there full time, if it is kind of a one off, and Kenny's going to be prominent on the TNT show, then he's probably going to be up there in in that title picture, um, depending on who wins the the world championship. Kenny Omega is going to be there, so I think this is going to be a big win for Kenny. Uh, I think this is where we finally see that Kenny breakout match we've been waiting for because we have, like I've been saying, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, we've seen Kenny Omega. We have not seen the cleaner yet. The cleaner was a, was the best wrestler in the world in new Japan. We have not seen that from Kenny Omega yet. I think this is where we get it. This is where we finally see the cleaner and Kenny Omega gets a big victory. And we see him in the title picture. Once TNT gets here. Dude, I, I can't really, comment further on that you hit the nail on the head this match is going to be incredible kenny omega is not going to be there it will be the cleaner and i think it's the best match of the night and omega v trigger one winged angel one two three yep agreed 100 percent. all right well that takes us to our main event of the evening this is a match that's been built up pretty well uh, for you know, about as well as you can do for an, a world championship match for a show that's not on television. Um, this is for the inaugural AEW World Championship. It is between the Hangman Adam Page and Chris Jericho. I you know I'm I'm looking forward to this match a lot. I thought the build's been really good, especially Jericho's attack on Page at at uh, Fight for the Fallen. It was really well done. Page got legit like busted open. Um, he took a code breaker to the eye that gave him a black eye for like two weeks. <laughs> like that. It was there forever. And, um, you know, th- this, this, this is a big match. This is kind of a tough match to call too, because there's two directions you could go. Do you want to put the title on the veteran, the, the big name of the company, the one that everybody knows in Chris Jericho, or do you want to establish your brand as a place to go to make a name for yourself, to be, that, that you can go and become the guy, even though you're a young talent. And that's where Adam Page is right now. This match, I can see going either way. I really can. But I think 
in my opinion, they're going to go the safe route here. And I think that having Chris Jericho as your champion going into TNT is the right move because, you know, the, 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 the casual fans that maybe don't know who, what, who, what AEW is, they just hear, Oh, there's this new wrestling show. That's going to be on Wednesday nights. That's cool. I'll check it out. Oh, Hey, Chris Jericho's their champion. Oh, that's awesome. I know who Chris Jericho is. I remember him. I think that's going to, I think that's who they're trying to attract right now. And, you know, I don't really, as much of a star as Adam Page is, I don't think he's quite there yet. I still would put like a Kenny Omega over him. I would still put Cody over him, you know, just to name a couple. But Adam Page is getting there. But I think the chase for Adam is going to be more sustainable and it's going to mean more if he chases the title on television weekly than to get the victory here and be the champion. So with that said, I think it's going to be a great match. I think both these guys are going to have a great showing. I think Chris Jericho is going to look a lot better than he looked at Double or Nothing. Um, and but I think he's going to do enough, and Chris Jericho is going to be the first AEW World Champion. You know, I like your analysis of that. You make a lot of good points, but I'm going the opposite direction. I think they want to establish themselves as the new brand that we've got our own talent that's coming up. Our talent has beat this former WWE talent. And I think they're going to go with Hangman Page. I think they're wanting to turn him into a star. And people are going to hear the news of Hangman Page beats Chris Jericho for first AEW title. Mm-hmm. Even the casual fans who don't know who Hangman Page is, they're going to hear that name and go, oh, well, this dude beat Chris Jericho to become the champion. Well, right. let's go watch him on TNT. And I still think there's going to be a, a little bit of a feud between him and Jericho. So he's still going to be in the ring with Jericho, but it's going to be Hangman as the champion. I, I like it. I like it a lot. And like I said, there's that's the two directions to go, the one that each of us picked. And either way, I think, is the right move. I don't think there's a wrong move here. Um, so I, I am perfectly okay with either one of those. So... Okay, so we went through the card, and it sounds like an awesome show. But there's still one small cloud that's hanging over AEW right now. And that's the big question that everybody's been asking, that everybody wants to know. Will CM Punk show up at All Out? What do you think? Uh, No, I don't think he shows up. I, I don't. Go ahead. For the simple fact that there's been rumors about him possibly doing a show with the WWE, if he has signed on with the WWE to do some kind of work for them, they're not going to let him be anywhere near AEW. Now, let me let me cut you off real quick. I did read that he would not be a WWE employee. He would actually technically be a Fox employee. It would be very similar to Chael Sonnen's role with Fox and UFC. Yeah, even then, though, I don't think Fox would let him either because Fox is the one that's putting on WWE. TNT's putting on AEW. They're Mm -hmm. not going to want somebody that they've got employed going and representing this other brand and bringing eyes to this other channel. I just don't think it happens. I think if it was going to happen, it would have already happened. Right. Okay. I think think it's passed. I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I don't think Punk shows up. I think if Punk was going to show up, they would not have had him at StarCast either. Um, you know, maybe they're trying to put the wool over our eyes to make us think that. I don't know. But 
I I think I think Punk's in ring days are done. I don't think we'll see him wrestle again. I really don't. I think I think he's steadfast on that. I you know I've been the biggest proponent to Punk coming back, and I'd love for him to come back, but I have accepted the fact that. You know, I don't think he will, and I don't think he'll. He might make an appearance for AEW, maybe one day, just to kind of like 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 Bret Hart did to show the championship. You know, maybe something like that. But as when it comes to being an actual in ring AEW talent, I don't see it happening. So I, I don't. I, I don't see Punk showing up at this show. I don't either. And you know, something we touched on on our MMA podcast a few weeks ago too is, you know, CM Punk admitted that he's not the greatest MMA fighter but that he's not going to turn down a fight if the UFC offers him one. But at the same time, he said that he thinks his future is in commentating, and he has been doing that in some smaller organizations. I think that him doing this show with Fox is in that realm of him doing commentary. I don't think he's getting back in the wrestling ring. We may see him in one more Octagon appearance. Mm-hmm. But I think it it's getting close to the time where we're not going to see him do anything but commentating, and he's he's just going to stick with with MMA for now. If they if Fox offers him a contract to do some stuff commentating for wrestling, I think he'll do it. But I don't think he shows up in AEW. Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you 100. percent And you know, and it took me a little bit to get to that point because I'm I would be so happy to see him show up. But with that being said, I, I think that I think that. Uh, the ship has sailed, man. And I think, you know, the fact, you know, it, it, people are going to be questioning that up until you see the end credits for All Out because it is in Chicago. And, you know, AEW is a great fit for Punk. But I'm with you. I just, I don't see it happening. I, I At this point, I would be surprised if it did. Me too. All right, guys. Well, that is our breakdown of AEW's All Out coming up this Saturday. Uh, before we get going, though, we want to do uh, one, one more segment we do here every week. This is going to be the uh, the second half of the conversation that Rad Rob had with Dean Galloway last week. Uh, these two guys are going to be talking about um, the XFL and a little bit about the NFL. But um, here is uh, Dean Galloway's weekly segment, Parenting Balls and All. Uh, finally, XFL announced their roster of uh, or their their teams that are going to be uh, making up part of the league here. We're going to have eight teams. I don't know if they're going to add any, maybe after the first season to see how it goes. But uh, they came out and announced that Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Washington, D.C. will have teams. Um, so we have the Dallas Renegades, the Houston Roughnecks. The L.A. Wildcats, the New York Guardians, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the Seattle Dragons, the Tampa Bay Vipers. I love that one. That's pretty awesome. Uh, And the D.C. Defenders. And they all got pretty badass logos, too. But uh, I don't think they've mentioned when the league is starting. 
Uh, but merchandise will go on sale this Saturday uh, for your team. So now I know go around the first time they had, I want to say they had 10 teams, but I mean, I could be wrong. I know <clears throat> Memphis had a team because uh, when I moved to Tennessee, I was close to them. So I kind of gravitated towards them. Uh-huh. But uh, it seems that uh, it's pretty much the same cities. I'd have to compare the two. But I'm excited, man. Um, we, we know that other league, uh, what the fuck were they? The. Uh, I I see. Yeah. Yeah. American. Like. Oh, IAF. Sorry, IAF. IAF. Yeah. yeah. I, it yeah. started out well. It had good ratings for the first couple of weeks, and then it just shit. And I don't know why. And then they just lost the backing, so uh, it wasn't really given a good run. Actually, if you really want to compare them, XFL the first time had a better run than this league. Uh, mm. And the funny part is that the Ebersol family were the ones that started it. Um, yeah. And obviously, we know. Dick Ebersol has been, you know, friends with Vince McMahon for many, many years. They worked together on, with uh, Saturday Night's Main Event and their NBC projects and all that. So, and then Charlie Ebersol directed the XFL documentary. The XFL 30, documentary. 30. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden they start their own league and they're going to start it before the XFL. Kind of a fucking dick move. So, um, being a WWE mark, I'm kind of glad that those assholes failed uh, because that's <laughs> I just think they rushed it. They, they rush it, but, I mean, that's just karma. That's what you get, man. That's mm. what you get for trying to trump Vince McMahon, fuckers. Uh, you, <laughs> nobody can top Vince McMahon, goddammit. I'm the king of the world. But, uh, no, well, that's it. I, like, I feel like they, AAF, I think that's what it was called. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think they rushed it out because, basically, Vince announced the XFL was coming back, and then uh, I think they announced just after it and said they were going to get in a year earlier. Um, I think Vince has been smarter this time around, and, Announcing it, what, geez, we're going back to, what, late 2017, was it? That he announced, he announced it, that? I believe oh, so, early, yeah. early, No, early, early 2018. Early, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, early. So, you know, it's uh, it's been talked about for a long time, and, and a lot of planning's gone into the works. Um, obviously, they've, they've got some pretty good brains involved. Like, I'm pretty sure Bill Polian's involved, um, you know, who's had you know, some really good success, obviously, with the Colts and, and all that. So... There, there is some good football brains there. I think Vince is trying to do it the right way this time, and it's not uh, going to be show business. Yeah, it's going to be actual no. football. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've said it for a long time. You know, like the NFL owners are, are, you know, are trying so hard to get the season expanded to eighteen games. Uh, obviously, they see the dollar signs because I think it's the probably the shortest the shorter season in in professional sports uh, when you consider like what well, begins early September and it's done. Uh, by the start of February, yeah. uh, there is there is still that thirst, uh, I think, for football. You know, once the Super Bowl is done and sort of before you really get into the baseball season, uh, people are still keen, in my opinion, to to watch football. I, I know I am. And if the product is a pretty decent quality and 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 the games are are pretty good, then you know there's no reason why uh, it, it can't be successful in that little area uh, post Super Bowl and and before before the summer. Um, so yeah, look, I, I I give it every chance, and like I've said before, you know, college football is so popular, and mm-hmm. you look at the mass of players that play college football, and like I say, I believe ninety five percent of college football players will not go to the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. And so it gives those guys an opportunity, and um, yeah, like obviously the standard of college football is is nowhere near the NFL. Like I I always laugh when people suggest that they think Alabama could beat. Um, Alabama or Clemson could beat, you know, the Cleveland Browns of a couple of years ago or whatever. And right. I yeah. just find that so laughable. Like <laughs> yeah. the, the worst NFL team would stomp all over a college team. Um, 
it's just the fact that, you know, when players are on the same level as each other, um, you know, like the, the, the quality can look a lot better than, than it actually is. Right. So it's not going to be the NFL. It's not going to be the same quality as the NFL. And you, I think you need to go into it understanding that. But, you know, give it some time. And, and, guy, and more importantly, guys, more guys getting an opportunity. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yep. You know, because uh, I'm one, I, I think it is a joke that college football players don't get paid when, you know, these these colleges have a license to print money yeah. uh, when, when you yeah. talk about TV deals and the money they're making off of these guys' backs. I just find it disgusting that, that these guys don't get paid for it and don't give me this shit. Oh, you know how expensive a bloody, co- you know, uh, college tuition is? Yeah, I do understand that, but give me a break. Like, these guys are bringing in money for you. Uh, and ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, so don't give me that bullshit. So opportunity for some more guys coming out of college football, getting the opportunity to make money. Uh, you know, you can't be mad at that. No, you can't. And I think, I mean, if you look at the first incarnation of the XFL, the football actually wasn't that bad. Um, mm. There were some pretty good stars. Actually, went on to the NFL. Um, and, and and if you get away from all the show business and all the bullshit that Vince tried to do, um, you know, he they were pretty innovative with their, their presentation of football, having cameras yeah. actually on the field, you know, behind the players um, or the, you know, the, the overhead cam that everyone fucking uses now, like Vince, was say, yeah. you know, they the invented NFL uses a lot of the stuff that, that, that Vince sort of came up with for yeah. the XFL. Um, and I think yeah, if they were given I, a second, I, if they were given a second season, I think it would have been successful. I think an hmm. NBC pulled the plug too early, but I think had they had another season, I think it really would have caught on because the people really liked it. Um, hmm. you know, people were going to the games, you know, the merchandise was, was selling pretty decently. Um, you know, if that, that scramble for the ball to start the game was a horribly, horribly bad idea. I don't know how many players they lost getting hurt to that shit, but, um, you know, the, and obviously the first week they had their snafus with somebody shutting the power off, but I think hmm. if they would have had another run at it, they would have refined it a little bit and probably would have cut out a lot of the bullshit. And really concentrated on football, and I think it would have been successful. But uh, the fact that we're still talking about it, you know, 20 years later almost, and and we're restarting an, another league, and we're you know people are actually excited about it. I think it's going to work, man. I really do. Yeah, and look, it's you know it's a kind of funny because we're talking about AEW starting up and and you know wanting to compete with Vince and all that. Like, let's just be clear, Vince ain't competing with the no, NFL. he does not he, want to compete, right. He's not um, that and, yeah. and, you know, like, it, I'm sure it might be, you know, a future goal, you know, that one day down the line that he'll never see it. But, no, you know, um, but, you know, he's sort of hoping that he starts something that maybe one day down the line that they could actually challenge the NFL. But he's not challenging the NFL, and that is so far down the track. We, I would suggest we wouldn't even see it in our lifetime. Uh, even if the XFL is a success, uh, the, the NFL is just such a juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, that, like I say, the, the key thing is to is that couple of months where, um, yeah, because the, the NBA, the wrap up to the NBA season does get uh, reasonably interesting, but it's still a bit bland because you kind of know who's who by that time. Like, yeah. there's not really that much fight for playoff spots and all that. That couple of months between the Super Bowl finishing. Or, you know, between the Super Bowl and, and the beginning of uh, summer and the baseball season, uh, it's a pretty flat couple of months. And it's a great opportunity uh, to actually be able to, to create something to make a bit of money out of and, uh, and give, give the fans what they want. And that's more, more football because, 
it's the it's the most popular sport in America now, and and, and it's gotten su- such more of a global reach. Obviously, I'm sitting here in Perth, Western Australia, and I, I love my NFL football. So, right, well, right, yeah. um, American football. Uh, yeah. So you know, there there's a thirst for it, and uh, I think it's a great opportunity. Just hope they do it right. Yeah, I, I hope they do it right, and you know. You're right. They will never, ever. I don't think they'll ever compete with the NFL. You, you, you've no. seen how many incarnations over the years, whether it's the the USFL or the um, the fuck was the league before, way, way before that. that oh, because you had the, that, I, that the, the AFL the and NFL. The AFL, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the AFL is now the, uh, uh, technically, yeah. I guess, the AFC is the old AFL. Right, um, right, right. So you had that merge, too. So you know, you've had indoor football and you have all the other shit. So, I mean, like, NFL, if they really wanted to put pressure on Vince McMahon, they could easily just lean on the cable stations or the networks or whoever's carrying them and say, you know what, if you're going to carry this, then we're we're not going to re-up our deal when the contract comes up. And they'll be like, okay, hey, fine. The NFL has enough power to crush anybody. And if they really wanted yeah. to put the XFL out of business, it wouldn't take much. So I think if they just stay in their own lanes and don't try to compete with each other and, and maybe try to build a working relationship, like, hey, you know, if you want some of our guys, you know, for the NFL, like if, if you know, I, I don't know if Vince will allow that to happen when their contracts are up. If, if the NFL wants to negotiate with them, or, you know, maybe they can, I don't want to say poach some of their players, but, you know, if their contracts are up, they should be allowed to talk to them. And, and maybe, maybe this could be a feeding system for the NFL as opposed to college football. I mean, because if you get another, I mean, if you come out of college and, and say they don't have enough seasoning or they don't have experience or the guy's not big enough, but he can't stay in college forever, play in the XFL for another year or two years and, uh-huh. and learn from their coaches and you know keep learning the fundamentals of the game and use that kind of like a, an extension to get to the NFL. That's an option too. So I think that's something a lot of people aren't really looking at is you know maybe the XFL can just be a, a feeder system to get up to the NFL uh, eventually. So you got, you know, yeah. what, what do you yeah, think about yeah, that? The, the only thing I, I would say about that is uh, unfortunately, and, and this is Vince's biggest problem with it, is uh, they don't want anything to do with a worked business. And mm-hmm. as legitimate as Vince wants to make the XFL, um, he's Vince McMahon, the, the chairman of right. WWE, and the NFL doesn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. They don't want any any suggestion that they're in business with a guy that works, you know, that's in a worked <laughs> business. Uh, right. I, I saw someone the other day saying, you know, uh, AEW should be doing stuff at Jacksonville Jaguars games and, you know, getting some exposure that way. And I just immediately thought the NFL doesn't want anything to do with that. To be honest with you, they're probably pissed off at Shard Khan for actually getting involved in wrestling. Yeah, they probably um, are. Because yeah, they don't want that stench, uh, you know, on on their legitimate product. I mean, there's plenty of people out there that would probably argue that the NFL's at work as well. But um, at yeah. the end of the day, they, they don't want that stench. And I think that... In terms of what you just brought up, um, that's what Vince will find the hardest to actually have a relationship with them is I just don't think they want that involvement. So say they don't have any kind of a working agreement or working relationship. Um, To my second point, do you think that for some of the guys that really aren't ready to move up to the pros yet but can't stay in college anymore, do you think it's a good opportunity for them to learn their their trade and their craft and, and get better so when their XFL contract is up, they might actually have the ability to go to the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what that's the big selling point for XFL when they're trying to recruit players. Right. That's their big selling point. Uh, you know, you're not going to get you're not going to get guys that are potential to be drafted by the NFL 
signing to the XFL. But the the guys out there that feel they still feel like the dream's alive to play in the NFL, um, that's their opportunity to get on the yeah, play in the XFL, yeah. get on get on television and let these uh, NFL owners and GMs and that see that they do have some ability and they could could actually move to the NFL. That's 100%. That is their selling point for the yeah. XFL for sure. And I've heard rumors that, you know, like maybe some ex, you know, NFL running backs that were the teams thought they didn't have anymore. You know, they're in their early to mid 30s. Maybe they might have another shot to at least get a payday and, and get to play football. You never know if those guys might show up to the XFL too. You know, guys like Doug Martin and some of your older guys like that yeah. that are that are in the you know middle to end of their careers that may have a, a few good years left in them to get paid and be on TV. Uh, I think you may see a lot of that come, not just running back, but like play all players that may have gotten cut uh, for one mm. reason or another. You might see them say, "Oh wow, this is another opportunity for me to get a payday and for me to get featured and get on TV." Absolutely, and uh, hell, if you if you let Antonio Brown wear the helmet that he wants to wear, you might even be able to sign him. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that fucking guy, man. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's just tremendous. Eh? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna retire because they won't let me wear the helmet I want to wear. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna just throw millions of dollars down the drain because of the fucking helmet. Give me a break. I had so much respect for him as a player until this last year when he just really let his true colors show. Then you got a guy like Emmanuel Sanders who maybe doesn't have all the same talent, but is a fucking fantastic player and just goes and plays every day and does it the right way and doesn't fucking bitch about it, doesn't cause trouble and all that. Like That's just, that's just night and day, man, between two guys mm. like that that both have similar skill sets, but you know, one's, one's an egomaniac and the other one just wants to play football. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, Antonio Brown is as good as there is. Uh, oh, he, no, he is. He's he probably is. the best receiver in the league. Uh, but yeah, that diva stuff. That's you know, when people talk about Colin Kaepernick and um, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> yeah, like the whole thing with that, and it's what I get frustrated with people. The whole thing it's always been is is if your negative outweighs your positive, like your negative influence outweighs your positive influence, you're not going to get a contract. Yeah. And that's the thing with Kaepernick. Um, it's not. It's got the fact to, it's got to do with the fact that you're not talented enough to outweigh all the bullshit you cause because we've seen it like at the moment the Raiders are doing everything they can to keep Antonio Brown. Why? Because he's the best receiver in the league. Yeah. If if Antonio Brown was you know a Cole Beasley level, um, they ain't putting up with that shit. You know right. what I mean? They'll, right. they'll yeah. show him the door and say see you later. You know, it's, sure. you've got to have that talent if you're going to cause dramas and. Um, and Antonio Brown is lucky enough to have that talent, and he's going to push it to the limit. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, maybe we'll see Des Bryant in the, in, in the XFL because nobody yeah. else really wants him. So I, I still can't believe that, man. I can't believe the Patriots. Ah, uh, yeah, not Des Bryant, man. Uh, are you kidding me? Like, there must be something him... about him that they see that they don't want him because they've tried. They've experimented with guys like that. They tried it with with Reggie Wayne. They tried it with uh, with Ocho Cinco. Whatever the fuck is Chad Johnson. And uh, they could not grasp the playbook. They literally were not equipped, I don't know, mentally or whatever. They just weren't smart enough to get the plays. And they said, hey, this shit's too hard, man. I want to, I want to get the fuck out of here. So, mm. I mean, yeah, they, they, they've tried stuff like that. And I'm not going to say Dez might fall into that same you know, category, but he's that kind of a player, you know. Uh, I still I still sit back and, you know, I still haven't got over the fact that, you know, what happened with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott come in and right. I just sit back and I just sit back and think if Tony Romo was still the quarterback of the Cowboys, we'd still have Des Bryant and we'd be legit Super Bowl favourites. Yep. Uh, 
you know, with Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line. Uh, yep. It just blows my mind, mate. It just frustrates me so much. After all the years that Tony Romo struggled through the crap with no yeah. defense and, and all that, and now we've got this high-quality defense uh, this great offensive line and arguably the best running back in the league and just Tony Romo um, behind centre would just be perfect right now. It just breaks my heart. It really does. Yeah, it's hard to watch. And the fact that he just gave Dak all that money uh, oh, for not, not proving anything, it just it's hard, man. I, I I hate to say it, but I don't see a Super Bowl any time in your future unless you guys are hosting it. Uh, that's the only time you're going <laughs> to you know, That's the only time Dallas no, is going to but. I agree. Uh, Dak Prescott is not the future. Uh, we've seen it. He's a good uh, kid, though. Like I, I don't dislike uh, him personally. I absolutely. Just, I don't think he has a skill set to, especially in that market, to uh, to perform. So I mean, Ben Mal- Ben Maller calls him Triple D, Dink and Dunk Dak. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. that's all he can do. You know, three yards down the field, five yards down the field. Yeah, occasionally he'll pull off a bomb if Amari Cooper's wide open or whatever. I mean, but that works for Tom Brady, but again, I don't think I don't think they have the same. Yeah, he's, he's not skill Tom Brady. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady is just on another level to basically every other quarterback in the league. His his smarts, his his ability to read defenses and make the right decisions is just on a whole another level. Uh, yeah. yeah, Brady can get away with Dinkin and Duncan for sure. <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. Brady's going to be, I think, forty one, forty two this year, so. Um, he plans on playing three, four more years. Who knows? It's a three-year deal, wasn't it? Yeah. So if he can still compete at that level, man, at that age, that's that's insane. That's ridiculous. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to be, I'm not trying to be a homer. It's what he's doing. Well, you are, but that's fine. The fact that he won the Super Bowl last year is is just yeah. ridiculous. You know. So. I I just keep sitting back every year, you know, because the old saying, "Father time's undefeated," and um, it it's a <laughs> it is fascinating, like how just quickly. It, it just all disappears for these guys. Like we saw it with Peyton Manning, yep. you know, he came back from, from the neck surgery uh, after using a whole bunch of HGH and, and had that amazing year. But then, yeah. um, you know, like even the Super Bowl year, like in, in all seriousness, like that had nothing to do with Peyton Manning. The fact yeah. that they won that Super Bowl, yeah. uh, he had nothing left. So, you know, they fall off the cliff like, and it's amazing. Just all of a sudden, just click of the fingers and suddenly it all just, and you yeah, know, it's happened to everybody. Just... It's happened to Montana. It's happened to Favre. It happens, you know, it happens to everybody. But it just hasn't happened for Tom yet. And I'm, no, I'm just waiting. I... Like, you know, we almost beat Philly. That I mean, you know, he should have eight rings, nine rings by now. If he didn't lose those two to the Giants, those fluky shouldn't have. plays. But uh, yeah. but it's just you'll never see. I don't think you'll ever see a run like the, like that that the Patriots have had ever again. Um, yeah. especially in the free agency era. Uh, somehow Bill Belichick and, and whatever coaching staff and plan that they have, it's the best in football. And, and people have tried yeah. to model their stuff around it, like Bill O'Brien and, and Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell and Pioli and Mangini. And everybody that's ever gone anywhere else has never been able to duplicate that, that same success. So I don't know. I mean, I guess Belichick is the key. Um, but he is but Brady. Like at the end of the day, Brady is is something special because I, I think we'd all we would all suggest that Aaron Rodgers right now, like really, should be the better quarterback because right. uh, he's got the bigger arm. Uh, he's got all that experience. Uh, he knows once again how to read defenses mm-hmm. and all that. But um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a diva himself, and he's a bit of a sook and. You know, like it. I never doesn't... expected that out of him, but yeah, this last yeah. couple of years has really shown that. Yeah, he just doesn't uh, handle himself anywhere near 
uh, like Tom Brady. The guy that I've got a whole shitload of hope for and, and just absolutely love watching him play is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, uh, yeah true. I, I feel like that kid could be, you know, potentially be the, 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 the future Tom Brady. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got many, many, many years ahead of him and um, just an absolute just gunslinging arm like yeah, you can just yeah. throw the ball so deep but he seems to have uh the, the intelligence and understanding of the game at such a young age that kid's going to be good to watch yeah he is i like him and he seems to have a good head on his shoulders and he i mean they almost won but you know maybe, maybe this year you never know maybe hmm. maybe he'll finally take down the the, the old tried and true patriots because i don't honestly i don't see anybody else in the fucking asc that's going to compete you know besides the patriots and the chiefs all you fucking steelers fans can suck it back at dicks there's oh, no way please. you guys you guys are they're never not even going to win their division no they're never going to win their division like cleveland will probably end up beating their division beating them but you yeah. know baltimore for somehow they always seem to stick around um yeah not know, with a running back and quarterback <laughs> yeah true i mean it's just the, there's there's not a lot of parity in the AFC. The NFC is wide open, uh, but mm. I don't I don't see a lot of parity in the AFC this year. But uh, you know we'll see. Le'Veon Bell's in another team. You know he he might do well, but again the running back doesn't make the entire offense, and he's no. not on a good team at all. So <laughs> no, that's it. You know, like that is one thing about Ezekiel Elliott. Like he does have that great offensive yeah. line, and he wouldn't be the same player in a different team. And Le'Veon Bell, similar at, at Pittsburgh, you know, it was a great offensive line that proved it with Connor late last year. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that, that is the thing with running backs, and I do understand that they don't tend to get paid that well because of that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, at the same time, in terms of Dallas, uh, if you don't have Ezekiel Elliott, you're not going to go 500. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So we'll see, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, as always, we go a little bit long. I might actually maybe... Yeah. For part two next week, <laughs> maybe I'll bring. Yeah, we'll keep it in the bank. I was talking yeah. about NFL, you know. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, different. Yeah, I'll keep it in two halves. That way, they can use it next week. So, yeah. um, good to see you again, Dean. I know you don't really hang out on social media that much, but you are the the saucy guy on Twitter. Uh, add that's, that, uh, yeah, at that saucy guy. Imagine typing that Aussie guy and just change the A for an S. That's how you figure it out. Look, I, I do sort of, yeah, from time to time, I'll get involved, but. It's more if someone actually wants to talk to me, I'll talk to them. Uh, <laughs> you're you're pretty much our enforcer of the Reality Check Podcast <laughs> Network. <laughs> yeah, I don't tend to parachute into conversations unless someone really does annoy me and I feel like they need to be, you know. Like Polly. Need to be yeah, yeah, which Polly actually came parachuted onto one of my threads. So, uh, yeah. to be fair, I didn't go yeah, after sure. Polly. That's Polly true. came after me. Uh, I think... I think the you, only one was me, me tweeting Hughesy back to Hughesy the other day yeah, uh, yeah. just because I kind of got fed up with his shit. And him and Joe have started on fucking John again today. And Yeah, I, I saw like, that. They got nothing, they got nothing like, else to do. I, I've stayed out of it, but yeah, it's, yeah. it is what it is. But, <laughs> John's just got to stop selling for him, man. Like, he really just, does. He does. He just no-sell everything, and that will just really – I mean, they'll have, no, they'll have nothing to say if he just doesn't respond back to him. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, they'll get bored and I'll go away. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, anyway – well, yeah, oh. we'll uh, we'll catch up with you. I'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks, but uh, mm. um, I hope. Well, you, I'll catch uh, up with you on Friday, unless it's not going to be. Oh well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm uh, tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so I'll talk to you tomorrow, and then I'll see you in a couple of weeks after that. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but uh, good chat, man. I always love talking to you, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time on on RTW. All right. So one thing I want to touch on from this from this segment to these two guys is the XFL. We really haven't talked about the XFL a whole lot. Um, and what kind of uh, implications it has when it comes to pro wrestling and just, you know, in football, because 
you know, you and I are both big football fans. We're NFL fans. We have a fantasy segment on our MMA show now. You know, so we're in the time of the year where we focus a lot on football. And Dean is a huge football fan. He is a Dallas Cowboy fan too. You know, which is kind of cool in my my book because I'm a Cowboys fan. But you know, we're not going to touch on the NFL or the uh, the Cowboys right now because we are running kind of long on our show. But I do want to touch on the XFL for a minute. Um, I'm well, when they, when I heard the rumblings of the XFL coming back, my first thought was, "What are you serious?" Are they really doing this? Do they not remember what happened in 99? That it was like the biggest bomb in the history of sports? Like, you know, it was it was very, very shocking to hear that Vincent Mann was doing this. But he is taking a completely different approach this time. And he's made it well known that he's taking a different approach. That it's going to be more sports oriented instead of entertainment oriented. Kind of like the last XFL was. Um, but, you know, they did, they did announce the... Uh, the uh, the teams that are going to be a part of it. Uh, so I know you and I have kind of talked about it a lot off air. Uh, you know, we're big fantasy players. We will play fantasy XFL when it starts. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, but when it comes to just the, the sport of it, you know, the, the football aspect, uh, what is your opinion on the XFL coming back? Uh, I like it. You know, we, we've talked about the, the NFL has not had any competition for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know they they brought that the what was it the AAFL or whatever yeah that folded very very quickly but it was really entertaining and it was football in a different season we didn't have to wait for just these certain months of the year after the NFL was over we still had football to watch mm-hmm. so I was really excited about it and I got into it um, like I said it didn't last very long but it was entertaining so now we've got something else that. You know, the XFL, I think, is going to be really good if Vince doesn't try to make it professional wrestling in football pads like he did last time. They've already got, you know, a few big names there that have signed. I think uh, Ndamukong Sue, I believe, has has made his way into the XFL. And, you know, there's a lot of rumblings. I'm not sure how true this is, but... A lot of people are saying that they believe that the Andrew Luck retirement from the Colts is because he's going to the uh, XFL because his dad is like one of the higher ups in the he's XFL. He's CEO of it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like he's one step below Vincent Mann. He's one step below the owner. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people are thinking that that's going to be their big move is to bring in this high profile quarterback that was this superstar in the NFL. And that's going to get all eyes on the XFL. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know because, you know, Luck has been injury prone in the NFL. He's not going to have any better blocking, I don't think, in the XFL. And, you know, he, I don't think he would have left the Colts, and especially with, you know, the season they were predicted to have this year to go to the XFL. Right. But there is definitely big rumblings about it, which is, you know, involuntarily putting eyes on the XFL. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about the XFL. I think, you know, it's going to be a good rivalry for the NFL. Of course, I don't think it'll usurp the NFL or anything, but you know, if they, if they go kind of like they did back in the day where the rules are a little more lax, we won't be seeing all these penalties that we see in the NFL. If you touch a quarterback and there's a yellow flag, we're actually going to get to see hits and hard hits and, you know, back to the, the, you know, gritty roots of football. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I am too. And I feel like WWE or Vincent Man, I should say, needs to take the same approach with XFL that AEW is taking for their wrestling organization. XFL does not need to try to be the NFL. That's the last thing they need to do because they're not going to be the NFL, especially starting up, uh, you know, being an upstart or, or an upstart organization. You know, we've been saying the same thing about AEW for a while. They need to be they need to make their own identity first before you even think about trying to take a shot at the big dog. And, you know, the XFL needs to be the same way, you know, be an alternative to the NFL. Don't be competition in the NFL, especially with the XFL starting as soon as the Super Bowl ends. You know, they won't be going head to head with the NFL. What's crazy is that XFL is going to be on the NFL network, which is weird. You know, I wouldn't have never expected that to happen. But, you know, they got big television deals. I think they're going to be on Fox. They're going to be on you know, they might be on NBC, too. I don't know. I, don't quote me on that. Uh, but, you know, they got some big television deals for the XFL. So the resources are there. Like I said, very, very similar to everything you're hearing about AEW. The money's there. The resources are there. The talent's there. You know, all they got to do is stay in their own lane and try to put on the best product they can. And that's exactly what the XFL needs to do. And if they do, they'll succeed. And, you know, as a fan, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, 20 years ago, it did bomb and it was not good. I liked it for what it was because it was like different. Plus, I was a teenager. So, you know, I thought it was really cool, you know. But as an adult now, you know, I do want to see, you know, yeah, yeah, I want to see harder hits. I want to see big plays, stuff like that, you know. But, you know, I still want it to be safe as well. And I think that's going to be a big part of it, too. That's that's a that's a direction that Vince McMahon is going, is that he has said that, you know, there it's not going to be the same XFL that we saw back in 99. Well, that's good because that didn't work. So that, that's the, that's one of the best things for him to say. I'm stoked for it. And, you know, like you said, there are big names there. There's big name coaches. I know Bob Stoops is a head coach there, uh, former head coach of the uh, Oklahoma Sooners for a long time. So, you know, there's there, there's there's talent there. And, you know, there's it, it can work. But like I said, they just got to stay in their own lane. And I think I think they have but I think they have a better chance to succeed than the AAF did. I completely agree with you on that. I think it, I think it's going to be really good, and you know, I'm I'm down for as much football as I can get. So if after the Super Bowl is over, I still get football, I'm gonna be happy. Yeah, absolutely, bro, hundred percent. All right, guys. Well, that's our show for tonight. Uh, man, we uh, we went long. You know, now you got kind of a taste of how Rad Turtles goes. Uh, it's easy. It's easy for this to be a three four hour show, man. Just a lot of stuff to talk about. We get into discussions about everything. And time just flies, dude. It's 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 insane, man. But uh, man, I'm really happy you came into the show with me. Uh, you know, like I said when, when we first started, we we talk wrestling all the time. We never really have a chance to sit down and talk, and you know, to this extent, and just to talk on a platform like this. So, uh, man, I really appreciate you jumping on and and doing this with me, man. It really means a lot. Oh, no problem, man. I had a blast. You know, I mean, like I said, I am a I am a wrestling fan, and I have a blast. You know, every week talking to you about MMA, but I have a blast talking about wrestling too. And you, you know, I, I'm, I thank you for the opportunity to, you know, to come in and I'm always here if you need me. And, you know, it, it was a blast. It did go a lot longer than I thought it would, but that's okay because I got to sit here and talk to my best friend about wrestling. Then tomorrow night I get to sit down and talk to my best friend again about MMA. So I'm, right. I'm all good with it, man. Yeah, man, for sure, dude. Yeah. This was an absolute blast, dude. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Uh, All right, man. Well, before before we go, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at effing for real. 
Uh, I've got my Twitch gaming channel, which is what uh, Jeff and I use to uh, do our live breakdowns of the MMA fights. It's twitch.tv slash effing for real MMA. And, uh, you know, I, we've got an email for the uh, effing for real show. It's effing for real at yahoo.com if you want to send us any comments, questions, or anything like that. And uh, thank you again, Jeff, for having me on. I had a blast. And, uh, you know, I'd like to do this more often. Yeah, man, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we can. I said this to John on Monday when we recorded the flagship. Maybe we can send Rob off on a vacation every once in a while. You know, bring some other people in. Yeah, he he deserves <laughs> it. He's a hardworking guy. He is. He he definitely is, man. All right, guys, y'all can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Run with Turtles. I have my Twitch gaming channel, Twitch.tv/RunWithTurtles. I have my active YouTube page. Search Run with Turtles in the search bar. It's the first name that comes up. And I'm also now writing for OvertimeHeroics.net. I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts on there. So make sure you guys go check that out. Check out everybody that's writing on that site. There's a bunch of good dudes there. Lots of great articles. Uh, any sports you guys you guys like, you guys make sure you go check it out. Um, the show, uh, Rad Turtles Wrestling, has a uh, – we have our Twitter page. It's at, uh, at RadTurtlesPOD. We have an email address, RadTurtlesWrestling at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Twitch page, uh, twitch.tv slash RadTurtlesWrestling. Um, also guys, check out our pro wrestling tea store. We have two t-shirts up with our logos on them. And actually right now, guys, you can go to pro wrestling tees from, uh, August 28th, which is today as we're recording this to September 3rd and everything in pro wrestling tees is on sale 20% off. All you gotta do is use the promo code labor day and you guys will get 20% off anything in the store. That is including the rat turtles wrestling shirt. So you guys go buy you a shirt, and if you guys buy you a shirt, make sure you shout. Or make sure you let us know. We will shout you out, guys, out on the show, and thank you personally for buying a shirt from us. So, um, all right, guys. Well, that's all I got for tonight. And uh, Blake, man, thanks again. I really appreciate you being here, dude. It was it was an absolute blast. Uh, Rad Rob will be back next week, so uh, we'll be back to uh, to the original the original dynamic duo <laughs> for the watch along. So I hope you guys have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next Tuesday for the Raw Watch Along. Take care, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at RadTurtlesPOD. And you can email the show, and we will read it on air. Our email address is RadTurtlesWrestling at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate all of your support. You have been listening to the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast only here on the Reality Check Podcast Network. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. 
and it's attacking your peace of mind. <sighs> it's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called, Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called, Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.